Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your almost weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle, the people that make it, and occasionally ourselves. I am Camille Foster. I do various things at a place called Freethink. I am talking with my hands because that's what we do, our people. I'm delighted to be here today. I'm joined by three remarkable gentlemen. Anthony Fisher is not among them, which is not to say he isn't remarkable. He's just not here today. But do you know who is here? Matt Welch, editor-at-large, Reason Magazine, in the motherfucking building, That's in a right. blue shirt and a tie. It's very nice. Yeah, very nice you. combination. It's an insurance adjuster. Yeah, sure. nice. Michael Moynihan, who is a national correspondent for HBO's, well, Vice News Tonight on HBO. That's correct. It's the, I don't want to suggest ownership there. Yeah. That there's some sort of contractual licensing arrangement. I don't really understand. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's going Someone I just, sends I just, you a check. I just you show up show once, in, once in a yeah, while you do some and talk to and crazy read people. the Mueller report yeah. live. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, did that. I, did. I didn't even expect to do that. I saw the guy who was doing it, um, and he was he was walking towards me. And I was like, oh, fuck, he's going to make me do the thing. And so I was like trying to pack my bag quickly to leave. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then I got caught. And, um, and so I did it for half an hour. Yeah. So you can find that on, I think it's, I think it's actually on Spotify now. Seriously. Is it? Uh, yeah. It's on YouTube and stuff, but there's, I think like four hours in, I, I read for like a half an hour. Did you, uh, did you go at least some Russian accent action? I actually mentioned while I was reading it that should I do, I just looked to camera and said, should I do a Russian accent? But no one, no one answered back. I couldn't see the live YouTube comments, yeah. but apparently one of them <laughs> i didn't know this phrase i maybe maybe everyone's gonna be like oh, of course you shouldn't know this phrase um i was called a soy boy huh uh which, this is the, your first time you've with never soy heard boy? that no, phrase. i never heard that no, wow. no. You, you haven't been getting the race and iq letters yeah well <laughs> yeah the people who are actually soy boys they don't say it to us yeah so i think i think it's confirmation that i am one of those things because yeah. i've never heard it right? you clearly are it's yeah, 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 yeah what does it mean it's just like it's it like it means a, that you're you're such a cuck that yeah. you don't even eat meat. You probably eat soy. I so eat nothing live. but meat. It, mean, yeah. it means you, you're an editor at Vox. Hey. <laughs> Who's that voice? That voice. Who's that Eli voice? Lake, oh columnist for Bloomberg. God. Yeah. Eli in Lake. the building. Yeah, I, I'm up from D.C. to join us in the studio in New York. Delighted to have him back. Multi. How many times Multi. have you been here? Like this, three, is this is my, the third my, time. My third, yeah. This is one, one time was by phone. Appearance. I remember a phone. Yeah, by That's phone. And then we kind of don't do that delight is mutual. We, yeah, we try to avoid that. Yeah. That's not to say we would never do it again, because um, sometimes we do it. Yeah, yeah, but, sometimes. But he's not on the phone. He's in the building. He's in the building. It's great. It's, great. it's wonderful to have you here, Eli. <laughs> wearing a oh, It's great to be here. Bacon t-shirt. He's wearing yes. a Menachem Bacon t-shirt. Yes. I thought yeah. it was Milton Friedman. I yeah. did this in honor because they of, all look uh, the Vanity Fair feature on Barry Weiss. Oh. You want to be the next Wait, one? Is there you a Barry, be... There's a ba- Vanity Fair feature? Yeah, you didn't see it? When did it come out? Today? Today, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're not reading the emails? No, <laughs> it's a glamour puss shot of Barry, Whoa. like uh, uh, striding in like fucking Manila yeah. black shoes and yeah. looking super like made up and great. I mean, she's um, she. It's a street scene it. that's staged. Uh, it's lady in red. Wait, wait, wait. So who wrote it? Do you know? Evgeny Peretz, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Marty, Marty Peretz's, Peretz's daughter. daughter. Wow. So that's yeah. going to be is, a puff the, the online yeah. Uh, yeah. reaction to it has been oh, focused Marty, on that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it, it takes uh, Barry Hookline. I, I think it portrays her, another multiple, maybe three-time guest on this uh, program. Uh-huh. It portrays her very, very accurately as being like a, a puddly goo of love, yes. which she totally is. Totally. In, in, what in what was that? What was the, I mean. And a Zionist. Yeah. It, it, it portrays <laughs> yeah. her as both yeah. things. Which By also the way, a totally 
shocking. Eli Lake. Totally shocking. The woman who worked at Tablet as an designer. I really thought she was, you know, doing a live from the West Bank. Uh, she's not doing that program anymore. What are the What are the revelations in it? There Any, are no revelations. Zero. Zero. Yeah, that she's cuddly. And Interesting, that, and that even the people who uh, hate her, occasionally, uh, if they meet her, like her, they yeah. like her. Did they? they did they mention um, my former colleague who I didn't, I n- never talked to and didn't know, named Eve Pizer? Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. Who they? I guess they wrote a piece together or something. Yeah, it's like how yeah. I used to hate you, and I kind of yeah. probably hated you, and then we, you know, made well, up. Yeah, stuff. but the thing I liked about, I mean, everyone was like making fun of that. I, I didn't really read it, but everyone was like just saying it's horrible and the rest. Of it. But I think the interesting thing about it was that I think Eve Pizer had previously said, like, I'm getting off of Twitter. It's poisonous. And, and I just like when people do that because I, find, <laughs> I feel the same, same way. I mean, I just don't tweet very much anymore. Once in a while, I tweet about, you know, Hasidic it's, people. It's like, amazing to <laughs> watch so, something, that something was, annoys you. That enough. was literally yeah. like, it was a long pause to say Hasidic people. Uh, <laughs> speaking no, speaking of Hasidic people, yeah. the last time that we were all together, uh-huh. I'm, I'm taking Eli out of this question. Of for anti-Semitic reasons, but you, uh, uh, Michael, you ended up in a situation in Williamsburg. I, I did. Well, here's the funny thing: you guys were both awful and left, and you left me with a bunch of British people. Oh yeah, um, Spike Delmine. Spike, the, I, did we didn't even know that we walked into no, a bar. They came no. into our bar. Well, Literally our bar. a bar. Walked yeah. in there, and all the people from Spike. See, people are if they're in yeah. town and they're like slumming, they want to bump into the Fifth Column Bar, That's and we go in there. Now. But the thing about the the Spike people. There's a lot of things about them. One of them is that they like to to drink. Brendan was uh, O'Neill, who who I think we've had on the show too, mm-hmm. uh, was not drinking, but uh, the the rest of them were. And um, I really don't remember getting home, but I do. I took the subway, which is like that's, that's such a rookie. at that time of night. Yeah, is like it was the '80s. I'd be like, I would have been spray painted my whole body. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been stabbed to death. You've yeah. been given I would have, 18 months to no, live. Yeah. live. I'd be like, I'd be like a Bernie Getz. That'd yeah. be my Bernie Getz moment. <laughs> so I got off the subway and I am juiced and just walking down the street, like windmilling from here to there, <laughs> pinballing off of fucking signs and, you know, empty newspaper machines in this guy. That's called parkour. Yeah, this yeah. guy hops out. Uh, I live in a Hasidic neighborhood, by the way. <clears throat> it's meant by men in the show a number of times and this guy comes out and he's like excuse me can you uh, help me and i'm like oh god what's going on here and uh and uh, he he's and then he looks at me and he says are you jewish and i'm like you come on you don't think that is that just a question you have to ask? And he's like, yeah, I got to ask that because you're not, you're not Jewish. No, I'm not Jewish. Because if I, I assume, and Eli can correct me as the, the only Jew in the room. You can correct me if I'm wrong. We prefer Ashkenazi Americans. <laughs> <laughs> but even if I was not uh, uh, an extremely orthodox person and I was just like a secular Jew, they wouldn't have asked me. Right. Because what they're doing is it's, um, it's the Sabbath, right? They would be like, well, if you were if you were like, I'm Passover. Jewish, but I don't I don't really give a shit about halakha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd yeah. say, well, why aren't you guarding Exa- the Sabbath? Precisely. Right. They would they would bring you in for a different reason. And by right. Sabbath, <laughs> tie you to a chair. And by Sabbath, you mean like it's a holy day. Yeah, so well, it was like Sabbath, Passover, was also yes. Friday, yeah, yeah, also Friday. the holidays. Got so it. I right. get, the guys like come. Mm-hmm. Come into the apartment and yeah. my drunken, I'm like really, really drunk. But for some reason, I'm treating the Hasidic guy like he's a cop and I'm like trying to act sober. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I'm absolutely coming in for you. It's not a problem. So I walk into the apartment and there's like literally, it looks, 
You ever seen the traffic in Libya? Like they all, all the cars go at the same time and there's like uh-huh. no st- the lights. That's what it looked like with the strollers. And there's just like a thousand strollers on top of each other. It looked like, a, looked like, like, like people coming out of Kuwait in the first Gulf War. Everything's like on fire and on top of each other. In the man's apartment. Yeah, in, outside the apartment. Okay. In the huge lobby. Uh-huh. So I go in, by the way, very nice apartment. And it's like one in the morning. Everybody's awake, in, including the kids. And they're all sitting around the table. And everyone turns around and cranes their neck at me like what is this guy doing here and you know they knew what i was doing there it's the only time a guy like me goes in there and i gotta go start turning lights off and turning things on is that right yeah so i went wait, in and they, wait you they brought you in to be the light turner i'm the shabbos goy yeah wow. they can't touch the things they can't t- what did you think they so were doing he came out i never street, understood what that word to find meant. someone yeah to he was finding a non-jew right. to turn things wow. off i go and i go and I'm, I'm going deep into this this apartment seemed like i went through like a wardrobe and it was like a c.s lewis book but jewish <laughs> and i come out on the other side and there's a there's like a machine on the ground and the woman's like can you turn the knob in the middle and whatever i'm like I, you know I, <laughs> so everyone lived there as bernie sanders just yeah yeah, yeah. what are you doing uh turn <laughs> the, so i get down i'm like i'm trying to it's on the floor and it's a breast pump machine and i'm turning it on and i kept on like falling over because it was on the floor it was like <laughs> below the bed like they're hiding it or something and so i was down there trying to turn i kept falling over and then i got up and she was like thank you and then i came around the corner done got uh-huh. all my got all my hitting, yeah. hitting all the switches yeah and then there's the guy is there with a bag of cookies and he's like, take these. And I'm like, oh, great. Thanks. Happy Passover. I'm like, because I'm he, like, can't, he can't give you he can't give you money. No, it's the Sabbath. Yes, it's the Sabbath. Yes. And he wouldn't anyway. He's a Jewish. Right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on. Take it out. We're going to take it out. Wow. We're going to take it out. I love it. We're going to take it out. Merchant of Venice is my yeah. very favorite yeah. Shakespeare play. Yeah. And also he's yeah. orthodox. So he yeah. Yeah. Is, it, is that why he couldn't? I'm going to take that one. This, this, so, this is an occasion for my favorite Seth Lipsky joke. I'll finish this okay, and you get no, this. Okay, and it's that. a good okay. place to do it because I'm going to have to cut that. <laughs> so let me restart because that'll, that'll, that'll ruin nope. my career. We're going to make a super cut of all these. Yeah. Um, so he gives me these cookies and I lay out and I, I, it's like these, I don't know what the hell, they're like a plastic bag. They're like all fucking game, like weird. And like all screwed up in this weird way. And I get home and I'm like, I just got a fucking bag of measles cookies. <laughs> this is literally <laughs> measles treats. I go in there. I want to turn some lights on. I'm going to get a reward, right? Get yeah. some gold or something. <laughs> uh, Shabbat snack. Yeah, I'm going to get something in a settlement somewhere. <laughs> and then I get I get some measles cookies. So finally, living in the neighborhood, I got to see the inner workings on Passover or whatever it was. But so I was did fun. you eat the cookies? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Those literally didn't go into the trash. I set them on fire and then put them in the trash. It was like, can you burn measles? Yeah. Because I burned measles. No. That was like a, ba- eat, it was like a bag. It was a bag of 17th century diseases. It was incredible. You can't eat those cookies. Yeah, you can't eat the cookies. So Eli's already like checking his phone. No, for, no, for no, trains no. Out here. I, 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 I want to give my favorite Seth Lipsky. Explain who Seth Lipsky is. Seth Lipsky, one of my mentors, was my editor at the Forward and the New York Sun, and still writes the New York Sun. And yeah, it's um, amazing. It still exists. It's great. Yes, uh, and a great man. But he used to have a very funny joke. He says, "You know, a lot of people say that the Jews run the global financial system and the banks, and that is an anti-Semitic canard. But I would never trust the goyim with the media. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good." 
It's a good joke. And by the way, I just want to point out that um, Seth Lipsky, as you once told me, um, retires home after a tough day of newspapering and paints uh, enormous portraits of uh, famous Zionists, correct? From uh, Begin to uh, Sharon. He's, yeah. To he, Herzl. Yeah, he's got them all. He's got them all. Yeah, it's, 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 Coll- it's, collect them all, kids. Another yes. uh, a great Zionist painter out there. <laughs> Uh, who did a lot of uh, great covers for uh, Weekly Standard. Roman Gen, my mm. friend from L.A., Russian. Uh, uh, he worshipped uh, David Levine, Levine, Levine uh, from the New York Review of Books, the great illustrator. Um, super funny, chain-smoking Russian. And he had an art exhibit 15 years ago in, in L.A. Uh, designed to outrage all of his liberal friends, which is just, just gigantic, <laughs> gigantic portraits of absolutely every Ariel Sharon you can get your hands on. Oh, that's that's yeah. <laughs> Good dear God. Well, we should, we should probably get into some of the shits. Because yes. um, last week we, uh, we recorded an episode. We recorded just before the announcement, or not the announcement, but the release, the re- release of the, the Mueller report, uh, the, the somewhat sanitized Mueller report. And you had some, some certain things uh, uh, censored, redacted, uh, because of ongoing investigations. Uh, but for the most part, I don't think that is the thing that raised any eyebrows. But there are some things to talk about there. Uh, I think relatedly, we may revisit some of the WikiLeaks stuff because I know you've, Eli, been writing yeah. about this recently. Um, and we've also got, what, the 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 press correspondence, White House correspondence dinner coming yeah. up. And yeah. there may be some things to discuss there. So we'll see what Few we things. get to. Yeah. Uh, but perhaps we start with the Mueller maelstrom. And I... I, for one, especially when I went back and listened to our conversation from last week, was delighted that we did not weigh into that shit um, and that we weren't forced to try to react to it in real time, like the same day. But I think there's plenty of stuff that's worth talking about, especially like a week removed from all of that stuff. So I'd love to get your perspectives, gentlemen. But the first question is, has everyone actually read the damn thing? No, God, not, not no. yet. Did, not yet. Did you read it? Uh, I read a, a good portion of it. Yeah, yeah. I read most of it. Yeah, I read okay. half of the second half. I read the executive summaries, and that is all. Yeah, yeah. I read yeah. a lot of the reporting related to it, but the executive summaries were well, quite the, the, it's, it's, re- it's repetitive. I imagine. Yeah, like they actually repeat a lot of the same language, but yeah. yeah. I, I found something in Eli, who's reported on this. I wonder what you think of this. Um, is that, you know, shitting on the media about their coverage has been something we've done a lot of. And, um, you know, they deserve it in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. But there is, I, I guess, I, I think it was Greenwald, one of these people were like making fun of like Maggie Haberman, who tweeted about this. But I think she's right, actually, that that I think it was Maggie Haberman. And somebody said that this just vindicates a lot of the reporting. And you know that that's true. Um, despite the fact there were a lot of errors in the, you know, McClatchy thing about Prague, right. et cetera. The Daily Beast actually ended up, not the Daily Beast, but um, uh, uh, BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed ended up retracting, yeah. finally, yeah. the yeah. Michael Cohen story. Yeah, exactly. Um, and when Michael Cohen reportedly, according to them, sure. was instructed by Trump to lie. They have since retracted that now that the, uh, and the that's, report is And out. that's interesting to, to retroactively see the decisions that they made and the way they characterized them, which is, which is interesting. But go on, Michael. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that um, I think the fact that nobody was really surprised by anything suggested that the media had done a pretty interesting job, pretty good job before. I mean, so, um, mm-hmm. most of the big things we knew about because they they had they had leaked, you know, I mean, well, m- yeah, I mean, I, look, mean, I think th- I it's think true. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the, the sort of jump ball 
characterizations where Trump said uh, this was what went down in the meeting at the, at the Trump Tower, for example, right. uh, compared to what reporting said went down at the meeting. In in most of those, as expressed in the Mueller report, uh, at least as I've uh, gleaned from it, uh, Mueller concluded that the more or less the media take was the correct one and the Trump case was a yeah, mountain and, of lies. And I just want to be very clear about this. It's <clears throat> not, I'm not looking at batting averages here. Right. Because yeah. there's a lot of bad stuff out there. I'm just saying that all the stuff that was in there as the big points in the Mueller report we had previously read in some form or right, another. For the most part. For the, for the most, most part. part. I, of course, I, there's a lot of other stuff, but Eli. Okay, so I would characterize the media and collusion Mueller report in the following ways. So the second part of the Mueller report, which was obstruction, mm-hmm. was almost what the media did a stellar job, which is to say all of the things that we see are in almost all those cases of the fact patterns that he has the 10 potential cases of obstruction of justice were mm-hmm. reported at some point earlier on. The most classic example is Don McGahn is asked to fire Mueller and refuses to do so. And that entire account is Maggie Haberman in the New York times. Mm-hmm. And that's great reporting. And you have to just tip the cap. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then I would also give the media a lot of credit before Trump is elected in the following sense. That dossier from Fusion GPS is shopped around to almost every major media outlet and versions of it are shopped around. I can say I, a version of it was shopped to me, which is you ought to look at this idea that those WikiLeaks were timed in such a way that there had to have been some coordination. I think Roger Stone may have had something to do with it. You should look at that. But there was much Which is more, all, by the way, very plausible with Roger Stone. totally plausible. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying I would give the media credit for not for publishing. not re- not yeah. writing based on this very juicy opposition research which is we all know we're all in the media business that is all the time there is opposition research that does not mean a story is bad you have to verify it you have to report it but opposition research alone does not mean anything i wonder how that christopher that 80 billion word christopher Steele profile in the new yorker holds up now oh mm. it doesn't hold up but mm. that's enough let, yeah. i'm getting to that yeah. so i would i give the media credit also for not fighting yeah. on the initial narrative even though this was like the and the hillary campaign was coming out and saying that out and out so that was good From showing that restraint very I mean, very early we know by the way that like yeah. steel or you know glenn simpson of fusion gps briefed the washington post i mean there was all kinds of this stuff going on September, October-ish, and nobody bit because they couldn't verify it. That deserves some credit. Here's where I, I think there's fair criticism of the media, and that is these stories were framed in such a way mm-hmm. that when you had even true facts about the Trump Tower meeting, that this was the thing. And by the way, it didn't help that Trump would lie about it, but that this was evidence of, well, what else is he hiding? Right, right. This is another dot as connecting this to this conspiracy to work with Russia to fix the election. So it was the frame of it. And then on, once you get into the opinion side and then once you get into yeah. cable news and the discussions about those stories. So there are degrees here, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where it goes completely off the rails and the media fail. And it's the conversations right. post Mueller report release that are that I think are somewhat interesting. And the, the number one question I've heard asked is. Well, why did everyone lie? 
Like, why were they lying? What What is it they were trying to obscure? And I think that's an interesting question, but I also think that there's a less interesting answer. I mean, they're just yeah. kind of scoundrels and they lied because this is both embarrassing and because in some of some cases, this is just second nature. The president lies about virtually everything when asked, were you talking to the Russians in the context of the subtext for that question being were you coordinating with the Russians to help fix the election? No, I never talked to anybody. I didn't talk to any Russians. There are no Russians around here. Um, it, it's not so difficult to see. But I, say, I said that to you. I think I texted you about this, of that um, when all these questions, and uh-huh. I, I don't know how many people I saw say, well, you know, what's he lying? Why right. is he lying so much? Right. And I think I compared it to you as like, it's like running away from the cops. Uh-huh. You know, get like, well, he's running away. He must yeah, have something yeah. to hide. That's well, why. That's why he shot him. That's why I mean, arrested we, him and beat him. We if saw. You don't, if you don't have to hide. You don't why run. are you? Yeah, it's we like, saw people make that explicit argument. Was it Jeffrey Tubin? Uh, like uh, the oh, day after gosh. the Mueller report dropped, said something like, "You know, happy people don't yeah. uh, don't yeah. act in this way." Yeah, Jeffrey like, Tubin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my God. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Which is uh, in, do j- happy people get their friend's daughters pregnant? <laughs> too soon. Sorry. Oh. Too soon. Too soon. Twenty years later. Uh, facts. 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 That's a hate facts. Hashtag facts. Hashtag facts. That should be in the Mueller reports. It's true. But, but in, as, in as much as that's like one one category of question, the thing that's most interesting to me now, looking back in retrospect, is the the set of questions that not a lot of people are asking, which I know you are somewhat interested in, Eli. Is how is it we got to a point where? The, the prior administration essentially initiates an investigation into the campaign of one of their political opponents, an investigation that is sustained for months and then years. And are there questions that we need to ask ourselves about constraints that ought to be in place, the, the kind of precedent that's set when, in fact, you have the intelligence organizations in this country be used in what turns into, if not the investigation itself, at least the coverage surrounding it and the attention that's given to it by the political parties, a severely partisan exercise in some respects. I don't know if I would call the actual investigation. Right. And I'm I'm not saying the investigation is. And I think even the fact it's hard to describe it because the fact that the investigation went on so long is in many respects the fault of the Trump administration had he not fired Comey in the way that he did. And had he, and not, had lied. he not lied the lying, so many times. The lying, and, and, I, and, and we need to hear from Eli on this because it's fascinating and I don't know the answers and he's closer to it than I am. But like the lying itself is part of at least I would uh, presume what uh, caused some people in the intelligence community to think that there was fire behind the smoke. If he's mm-hmm. lying so much, if everyone is lying about it, Mike Flynn is lying about it, Eli's grandpa mike flynn who's <laughs> you're the only mike flynn defender on the planet it's fascinating mm. to me um but like uh, everyone was lying about this uh-huh. um and so like it, 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 you can you can concoct a way of saying well you know they were rightly alarmed by this and so trump's lying and sort of habit of, of scummy behavior and scummy talent picking of people who then lie and then he tells them to lie and all this kind of stuff made people think more that there was a there there um or was it really that they faced with a boor, an outsider with shit manners who had different ideas about big questions that the IC has thought for years had been kind of resolved, said, you know what, everything that looks mm-hmm. 50-50, we're going to give him not the benefit of the doubt and we're going to go after him. So what say well, okay, you? So I think you have to separate this into a couple points. Please. Um, if you're a counterintelligence officer that's looking at Russia 
and looking at the election and you know about what Russia has done in Ukraine and other countries in terms of trying to meddle in their media and other sorts of things, then you have every reason to suspect given what you, you know, and that's fine because we sort of want counterintelligence officers to pursue leads. But the bargain, the way it's supposed to work is that a lot of times a counterintelligence person is going to work and pursue something and it's going to stay on the dark side and you may never find out about it because there may be a lot of questions and you may find out, well, it's not that. You would usually not find you out. You usually about it. don't find out about it. And mm-hmm. that's the way it's supposed to be, obviously. But there were a couple problems with this. The first is, is that the FBI, for reasons that are, in my view, should be taken much more seriously. This is another in the media failing, which is that they did not look at fair questions about the origins of the probe in a serious journalistic way. And instead, I think too often acted like defense lawyers for the FBI, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. But here's where I would say, listen, the fact that you were using an opposition research dossier in a FISA warrant for Carter Page and that the opposition research dossier was in some way informing in any aspect your counterintelligence investigation is a recipe a for democratic government disaster. And the reason is because that is a document designed to get reporters to write about negative things about a candidate. And in a, fact, one of those things that were written became part of that search warrant right, process. Right, exactly. I'm not mistaken. And, and, a, and whereas a counterintelligence investigation is designed to never see the light of day until you are ready to charge someone. Mm-hmm. And so you cross the streams. The fact that James Comey or Andrew McCabe or somebody in resp- who was responsible, the fact that Bruce Orr's wife was working for this opposition research firm and nobody at the highest levels of the FBI said anything about this and was a little bit concerned or Tell worried about Bruce it. Orr is. Bruce Orr is the number three at the Justice Department. And his wife, Nellie Orr, was hired by Fusion GPS to help work on Russia-related projects. And I mean, listen, this could be a rabbit hole. And sometimes when people talk about this, they get into like a kind of crazy zone, which I'm not trying to do. But what I'm saying is that fact alone created the groundwork for this to go completely off the rails. Because not only is it bad for the targets of your investigation to have a hanging suspicion out there that they may or may not be a traitor, mm-hmm. they may or may not be a spy for a foreign country, which is a civil liberties issue that everybody should worry about. It's also bad for your counterintelligence investigation because you don't want reporters writing about this in the middle of your investigation. The whole point is it has to be secret for it to be effective. So that right there was a big red flag. But Point of inquiry on that. Sure. Uh, how much of this was based on the Steele dossier? Well, this is the question that we don't know. And I hate it feels like a dodge. But I and think that, that still hasn't been revealed. It's, in it's the, just I listen. The official story is that the actual investigation was started because a Maltese professor named Joseph Miss yeah. Food had a meeting with a guy by the name of George Papadopoulos. And by the way, here I want to recommend an interview that Papadopoulos gave for two hours to Byron York on his podcast. You should listen to it. I'm not saying you believe everything that Papadopoulos says, but it's really worth hearing his side of it because the mul- York has been a, a pretty good and interesting skeptic Absolutely. Of, of the probe throughout. Agreed 100%. But I'm saying it, the, the Mueller report doesn't, but, but I should just, I'll just summarize it saying I don't know to credit this or not, but Papadopoulos is convinced that Ms. Food actually was an FBI informant and that he was entrapped. Right. I'm not saying we believe hmm. that. I, I don't know that yet, but. And he's, point, dis- he's disappeared, right? Well, I, I, we haven't heard from him. We haven't heard from him. But well, when you say he was, I don't think he's disappeared. In the Russian, you don't mean, well, no, not yeah. not, not in, in the, the Northern like Irish way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, right. Not in the Gene McConville way. Yeah. yeah. But not, he was a professor, correct, in London, 
at a right. university where he's no he had longer Russian contacts. And the, <laughs> yeah, Russian, and the Mueller yeah. report says that he had known people who used to work for something called the Internet Research Agency, which was yes. the main organization that and again, ran not, these the trolls, and the yeah, not the IRA, the other not the other IRA. So, but back to back to Misfood. The whole thing that apparently sets this investigation off is that Misfood is having a series of these conversations with. George Papadopoulos, who is a real junior chipmunk in Trump world, like is a young guy. Is that a racist or something? I don't I think totally so. It's anti-Greek in some way. And he's working at the Hudson Institute, and then he gets a job originally with Carson, and then he goes to work for Trump, and, you know, he's talking to Sam Clovis, and, you know. It's classic D.C. kind of guy. Right? Third Raiders all around. Yeah, you know? yeah, I mean, but yeah, exactly. Anyway, the point is, is that he's going to London and meets with this professor uh, who's suddenly okay. showing all this interest in him and happens to drop you know, the Russians have dirt on Hillary. Yeah. And that's, and then he repeats this to Alexander Downer, the former foreign minister of Australia, Australia yeah. who then informs the FBI. Crocky. Right. What, okay. I'm just saying that's what, I think that's what he said. It was in the Mueller report. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> he was quoted as saying, Crocky. <laughs> right. And, and I'm sort of like, it's Australian <laughs> for espionage, mate. Anyway. Um, um, and then this is what, Sets the FBI investigation off. Pardon me, I'm skeptical. That sounds like such tenuous bullshit that you started an entire counterintelligence probe because a, a minor guy hears from another professor that, uh, and he said he, and then he goes to jail for 14 days because he didn't remember exactly when he heard it and he may have, you know, all of this. And, and let's be clear um, on the timeline here because prior to, to this meeting, mm-hmm. which was in London, right? Mm hmm. There, everyone kind of understood that Hillary's emails, the server, which is, you know, foreign intelligence gold, right? Yeah. That it's not secure. The rest of it, that's, we, we know that publicly right. prior to this meeting, right? Right. So the idea that someone's saying the Russians have dirt on Hillary, I think I probably said that at the time. That was a guess of mine. Yeah. So I don't know why that would, well, he, that, that okay, wouldn't so, have necessarily. So, but, but, so, so yeah, was, 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 how was, specific was he? He was implying that he had it from real Russians who would know. Yeah. He did not get any more specific than that. He didn't say they had emails or anything like that. Yeah, and this like, was before the DNC hacks took place. It was before the DNC hacks. Now, this is gets a little this gets conflated with something else, which is mm-hmm. that the Mueller report says after Trump gives his infamous line, Russians if you're Russia if you're listening, I would you would be rewarded if you released the the deleted emails. Right. Yeah. Then he turns to Mike Flynn, national security advisor for 3 weeks, mm-hmm. get me those Russian emails and then Mike Flynn, in turn, goes to Barbara Ledeen and this guy named Peter Smith. And there's a hunt for the deleted emails. That is separate. And you've pointed this out before. Uh, in, My in name's the, Matt. Yeah. Matt, I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> but you've pointed this out before. That, that, like, that that's, one? that's not the same as the emails that were hacked from John Podesta and the Democratic Always conflated. Right. Every single day, those, those yeah. two things are conflated. And it's very yeah. important. Now, but I, by the way, I just want to point something out here, because when I first saw that clip, and having been at many Trump events throughout the campaign and seeing this, and I'm like, the guy's doing shtick again. Get the emails, right? Yeah. But you're saying, just to be clear about this, that Mike Flynn actually then goes he on did a go hunt look for, them. for the email. So when they say it was a joke, uh, Mike Flynn was seriously going to look. No, they were looking for those deleted emails, not because they thought Russia had them. They believed, and I've done a little bit of reporting on this, they believed that you could get it by like, you know, combing the dark web and there were like a lot of grifters who said oh i have a, an algorithm that can find them right. nothing yeah. is ever deleted on the internet but that's it's not the same as saying i want russia to help with the campaign they wanted to find the deleted emails because they believed 
She deleted them for a reason that they had classified information and that this would land her in jail and she couldn't run for president. And a lot of Republicans believe that. And by the way, that's not illegal. That's just politics. I'm sorry, but that's not hunting for those things. Hunting, that, right, you yeah. want to find deleted emails. Now, I'm, they didn't find them. Because they don't really exist. They're deleted, apparently. Yeah. But, but, the, but all of this is separate and apart from getting contacted by some sort of foreign power who says, hey, we have dirt. Or you, the you're describing actual two Russian hack in right. operation. And here's the other thing that everybody thing. should have been aware of much earlier in this process. The Russians began, according to James Comey testimony, and it's also in the Mueller report, they started their interference operation before Donald Trump even announced his candidacy. Of course. Right. Of course they would. I mean, of course this, they would. Like nobody thought Donald yeah. Trump was even going to get the nomination. Right. This was something the Russians were doing on their own that was originally meant to just sow chaos and distrust. I think an interesting point in of the this, United States. There's a blacked out section of the Mueller report, redacted section that somebody speculated, somebody said recently, was a reference to the Russians um, listening and having recorded Bill Clinton's phone conversations with Monica Lewinsky. You saw this, right? No, no. Uh, Look at that. That was was, someone suggested that. And my first thought in in seeing that was even this all all you have to know about about Russia's intelligence capabilities, because in 1991, when everything crumbled and the KGB disappeared and kind of didn't disappear, but remained the KGB and then the FSB. And remember also that that as Eli well knows, uh, there are a number of branches of Russian intelligence, as there is in America, like the GRU, military intelligence, et cetera. They have a very sophisticated operation always have, is that if that is true, if there is a suggestion, a real suggestion, that that the Russians have some recording, they've been listening into phone calls, et cetera, keep in mind what time what what year that was. I mean, this is a Russia that that is a pre-Putin disaster of a country, and they were doing exactly what we're accusing them of doing, rightfully accusing them of doing today. This this is an uninterrupted stream from 1917, from the Okhrana to today, <laughs> and I totally. don't I don't understand why anyone's surprised by this. And by the way, if I were a Russian and they and, and my intelligence services weren't doing this, I'd be pretty annoyed, right? right? And and as I and yeah. I think you alluded to earlier, I would be annoyed if America's counterintelligence. Uh, wasn't saying, hey, Russia is trying to do X. We need to find out about X. And uh, and then I think to Camille's question uh, and to direct it more pointedly, don't you want them to do that investigation in 2016 when you have a bunch of freakers uh, around uh, around the Trump campaign? Absolutely. You, 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 that's what you want the FBI to do. Right. That's the, the issue I've always seen is that. OK, so so I think there there are maybe legitimate questions about whether there was some sort of political element of this where maybe, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm open to the idea of misfoot is a, is not really, I mean, I'm, I don't know yet, but the real abuse of power, the real surveillance abuse happens after Trump wins the election. That's when we know that the Obama white house and others start mm-hmm. pushing out all of this raw stuff to Congress and inside the bureaucracy. And that's where we get, the beginnings of these like incredible leaks. And I wrote about this at the time, but if this, these are leaks from a counterintelligence investigation, and which also should not be leaked and surveillance, and which surveillance, should, not which should never J. be leaked. Edgar Hoover. It, and I, which, and there's the, no question about right. who was responsible for this. This was coming from, well, we don't know the individual, but it couldn't have, I mean, you know, it's not like, I mean, we, we know, we, should, we probably know one person who was responsible, and that was somebody who's been convicted, who was on the Senate Intelligence Committee, who was in charge of 
their security who's supposed to look at leaks who we know you know had a relationship with a buzzfeed reporter at the time and this is somebody who was involved with some of it but we know that there are probably other people and david ignatius publishes uh, a very consequential column about mike flynn and his conversation with the russian ambassador which is framed and subsequently covered as if he is this is the quo to the Russian quid of helping Trump win the election. Right. Obama imposes sanctions and then Flynn gets on the phone with the ambassador and he's allegedly promising, according to these leaks, you know, just go easy on us because, you know, we'll 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 get rid of him. Don't worry about it. And Ignatius, to interject, um, is as well connected with spookery as any columnist in America. Yeah. And I should say. say. David Ignatius is a phenomenal reporter and writes actually some pretty good spy novels as well. That's what I hear. So I'm not in my I'm not this is not anything against Ignatius. No, just, mm-hmm. uh, if someone had leaked that to me as a journalist, I would have written that, too. It's really hot stuff. Mm-hmm. The issue here is not with the journalists. I want to make that very clear. It's with the people who provide the stuff that shouldn't be out there and in the middle of it. Now, this is really interesting in the Mueller report. The Mueller report says, finally, we have in black and white what Flynn told the ambassador. What Flynn tells the ambassador is, mm-hmm. hey, could you not escalate the situation? Right. That is what's wrong with that. He's the incoming national security advisor. There is about to be sanctions. They're going to have to deal with whatever happens in three weeks. But of course, the problem is that he lied about it. I understand that he lied yeah. about it. And there's yeah. no disputing that he lied about it. He acknowledges that. My right. point is, is that he says, hey, could you not escalate this? Right. And because in that transition, Trump and the people around him were amateurish dipshits Mm -hmm. that they were like, no, 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 just lie. You know, and we also know, by the way, that it was a lie when they said that Flynn was the one who knew this and nobody else knew. It turns out, according to the Mueller report, a lot of people had a conversation about his this phone call with the Russian ambassador. And in that phone and they were saying, well, you know, sanctions are going to come up. You know, we should tell him not to escalate it. But now that we know the full story of that conversation, it was not. Um, okay, thanks for helping us win the election. I'm really sorry Obama's imposing these sanctions. We'll get rid of them. Don't you yeah. worry. Tell Vlad Trump is so eager to meet with him. It wasn't that at all. I mean, after yeah. the Don't election, I'll have a little more I think people right. often misunderstand this, is that, you know, I remember one time um, getting a bottle of liquor from the yeah. Distilled Spirits Council. Oh, yeah. Remember those yeah. discos? And I was like, ah, oh, got where'd you get that? I said, oh, I got it from those guys. And they said, oh, you're, you're going to in hock to them. You're going to write the positive. I'm like, no, I've been an alcoholic long before they, tar- <laughs> they targeted me. They know who they're dealing with, right? This is the thing people forget about this with Trump. Is that, is it like, oh, they had to buy me. It's like, no, no, no. They wanted Trump to win, right? As Putin very, very obviously said. The Kremlin, because he would be easier and softer, because he had said that. And he had said that very publicly. It could be possible, one would think, at when you're, when you're you know, reporting out this story that this guy is just somebody who's more interested in Putin and more interested in, in, in being a, you know, a Putin sycophant. That's it. Right. And of course, like you don't the, the possibility that you don't have to pay somebody off because they're more on your side than the other guy. That's it. It's very simple. There's a we I think said on this uh, program, I presume it because I certainly thought it and it it uh, it fits into how uh, you guys think as well. But when that episode happened, um, and people were all inflamed about it. And for the one understandable reason about the lying and this at this point, it becomes sort of a, a pattern of lying about connections with Russians during the campaign. And so it seemed weird and wrong. At the same time, it was clear that the underlying conduct in the worst case scenario even was just, hey, um, 
after the election, the incoming administration wants to have a conversation about maybe don't uh, super retaliate about this thing that's happening here. Like it, that's it's absolutely not a big deal. Everyone was no. going Logan Act at the time, whatever. Oh, no. the Logan Act is a whole separate thing. Every is, reporter who wrote about that like it was a serious thing should be ashamed of no, themselves. No, they, they, there needs to be a tribunal uh, and they need to be found guilty without a trial. Uh, they, uh, but, <laughs> yeah. but the, the under, Matt Welch Act. But, but this was in some ways a precursor to the whole uh, Russia thing itself, right? It is the lie and the instructing other people to lie and all of these these things that was the awful behavior and the underlying thing underneath it all was like eh, who cares right that's right. that's kind of that's uh, i think uh kind of a, a metaphor or pattern for what the actual Mueller thing was mm-hmm. the uh all of the bad stuff is besides just the behavior of donald trump when he's trying to tie his own shoes or ordering someone to do that um it, it's it's an obstruction half the obstructing a crime that was not committed that was not a crime um and the underlying thing of him saying hey it would be great if you hacked the emails and and you know being a douchebag and not reporting every time that you know he was having these meetings with uh, our own officials because it's the kind of thing that you should sort of share that information which apparently Al Gore did in 2000. I'm not so sure that Teddy Kennedy was doing the same thing in the early 1980s. I seem to have a different uh, recollection. I of, think he was puking in a trash can <laughs> on a corner of Fifth Avenue uh, and like, but like there's, there's no underlying <laughs> thing. And that's, and that I, I, I think that uh, Democrats who are pushing impeachments or talking about it or still like holding on to it, uh, I think are getting themselves into a little bit of a fantasy land just in the sense of that. I don't think people are going to get excited about obstruction of a non-existing crime. I don't want to get, you, I don't, I don't they, want to get derailed. Are, which people won't get excited? Because that's, I, I, that's precisely what Democrats I, are excited. No, about. but like, but like uh, in, in terms of a sustained campaign and discussion in that direction, I don't, I don't think that that's a, that's necessarily a, a public relations winner, but I don't want, mm-hmm. I don't want to get derailed well, here, on that here, part of it. I want to here's dr- the thing drill I, down on the Eli Lakery. Two, two, thing, interesting. two things that I, that are like, I don't understand. If I am, hardcore resistance why am i not furious why am i not furious at john brennan jim clapper and everybody who was in implying through innuendo for two years and out innuendo and out innuendo that 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 the russians had stuff on trump Mm -hmm. and that it's worse than you think and if you knew what i knew yes i do not understand why you would not say you led us on a wild goose chase for two years, we wasted two years worth of political capital, which we could have used to build a case against Trump on emoluments or corruption or God knows what, just incompetence. But instead, we had a narrative dominated by this Russian wild goose case. It didn't turn out. And instead, a lot of response that I've seen in the last week, and correct me if I'm wrong, has been, oh, it's actually worse than I thought. Like, I, I was listening to a, a Lawfare, which is a Ben Wittes Mm-hmm. Uh, podcast where they did a live event at the tick, Brookings tick, Institution. Tick, 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 yes, with the with the cannons and everything. Order of the baby, and they're cannon. all like, it's 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 you know, let's concede there wasn't an actual knowing conspiracy, but it's chilling. The details. I mean, I'm like, what are you talking about? You did not get it. Why have we been spending two and a half freaking years? You're the resistance. You want to get rid of Trump, and there are a lot of good reasons to do so. There's a lot of good reasons to politically oppose him. You could start with Charlottesville, whatever you want. And we've spent all this time on Russia. It didn't turn out. Why isn't the first question is, hey, John Brennan, what the hell were you talking about? What is this? But Eli, aren't are not the details chilling? 
regardless see that's where i think everyone is going towards the big stick this stick will mm-hmm. allow me to club this presidency and this election away well that turned out not to be right good the republicans have their own version of the big stick which we're seeing right now sure uh which is like oh this was supposed to vindicate with a capital v at various times the nunez memo was going to derail the whole thing whatever right. they have their own fantasies but after all that is done and you have to drop the fantasy of the big thing that's going to solve your problem you're left with a report that shows a president who acted in a really, really serially shitty way at all times, lied about it, instructed his people to lie about it constantly and is saved in part because fucking Corey Lewandowski is the the moral center (laughs) uh, and he's not going to uh, execute Jeff Sessions on site and Don McCann is not going to do this and (laughs) other things like that. I'm not going to fire him. Let him go. go. He's fucking Jeff Sessions. Uh, You can't can't do that. So it is is chilling on its own. I agree with you that it is absolutely, it's a scandal the extent to which that the deep state resistance grifters haven't been uh, hung not by their necks. Yeah, I think that by their balls. I think that 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 grift is uh, overwhelming for for good reason. Um, The other grifts in the White House. And that is one long grift that's going to be a four year and, and, and one hopes not an eight year grift. Wow. But yeah, I think it is. I mean, it's that's quadruple I, grift. That's, that's a lot of grifting. Holy shit. But I mean, the grifting of like the, 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 um, this idea that we're all going to wake up and people getting like uh, Mueller tattoos and wearing Mueller t-shirts <laughs> and this we're going to wake up is just going to vindicate all these fantasies because emoluments clauses are very confusing to people, right? It's better uh-huh. to say, by the way, you remember those uh, Tom Hanks Russian spy movies? Kind of like that, but with Trump. I was like, oh yeah, okay, cool. I can, I can get behind that. Sure. Uh-huh. So it's an easier pill to swallow. And I mean, I notice also how quickly it's kind of disappeared. I mean, I, I have four uh, cable news uh, channels and a you know on the television in front of me all day, and the, the the shift is pretty interesting. There was there was the stages of grief, and now it's gone gone on to like what can we impeach him on kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. Mueller is not dinging in my ear uh, constantly, but yeah, I mean you're right about about this like because they deserve it because it was you know ad infinitum right i mean the books, all of them all the of them books had books about it oh my god they, every one of these it's former, like that's crazy former nsa me. cia whatever dia people yeah. are coming out with their best-selling books all of them have like in the subtitle like the quest to tell the truth yeah in, 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 an, in an era of lies and it's like what but the, the best thing what? about it was that there was a story today and i can't remember who ran i, was, I think it's the wall street journal that ran it but um it was the Wall Street Journal, is that um, uh, Tom Arnold uh, oh, taping um, the Michael Cohen conversation. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, yeah. so let me just tell you two things about this one is actually quite, <laughs> quite interesting. Uh, the first thing is that we're in an era now that the guy who married Roseanne, yeah. who got kicked out of television for calling a black woman a monkey, um, is now she the head of the, it didn't now that it's the head of the resistance and is in a Wall Street Journal article talking to Michael Cohen and they've become best friends, he said on Twitter, and then he reveals that he's secretly taping his call, but he can do that because he can secretly take things too, and blah blah blah. Oh, oh, you yeah. know. So there's a piece, <laughs> there's a piece, a couple I I, I have to be very careful about about this Uh-oh. so maybe you can cut this out but i have to be very careful about this like all the anti-semitism from before it's gonna get very bad michael cohen very bad <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there was a piece um i think it was in the daily beast talking about uh the guy was a reporter that was with michael cohen while he was sitting in the uh 
I can't remember what hotel in Midtown with Tom Arnold Mm -hmm. and Tom Arnold is on the phone, freaking out and screaming at somebody about the tapes. He's going to find the tapes. And we can, we, we talk about the Russia stuff. We have don't forget about the tapes. We're Mm going to find these, these, the Holy grail of all of it. Because uh, again, uh, Donald Trump being racist, right? Yeah. uh, Yeah. Nobody wants to do the work. They want the tapes. The tape gets, you don't have to do any work then. Um, These are tapes that Michael Cohen made. No, no, no. This is what Tom Arnold's been hunting for the access, not access Hollywood, but the, uh, the celebrity. Apprentice, apprentice yeah. tapes, right, the outtakes that are supposed yeah. to show that this, he's these racist. Are the, these which, are the, the nigger tapes. Yeah, the nigger tapes. Supposedly, that's, that's yeah. helpful. I'm it's, just being an adult. Yeah. So you. <laughs> by the way, it's not adult when you take every opportunity to say it. <laughs> it's not every opportunity. Yeah. You put it in like like when, I, when I'm sitting around talking, talking to yeah. my friends. Yeah, it's yeah. actually the seventh word. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> every, I know. In yeah. every sentence. Yeah, I know. What's up, my nigga? Hey, nigga, say yeah, 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 My nigga, everything, my nigga. But that's that's like see, that's how I could do it. That's with we're we're worth. 50 we're, minutes into the conversation, I've used the word once, yeah. and then I used it several times. When Camille and Eli, it's derailing me. Eli, who's a better freestyle rapper than Camille is. That's a lie. Uh, when uh, Camille and Eli are together, that's, they, that's, that's all yeah, It's nonstop. All well, non-stop. Eli has a hood pass. It's music to my ear. Yeah, yeah you know, it's true. I, I've been that's to true. Eli's. I, I'm allowed to I've been to Eli's parties where, like, literally his entire roof was covered with, like, end to end guys from the barbershop. Yeah. And <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if you know, no offense to Eli. Doesn't need to hang out at the barbershop very much. <laughs> it's a cultural thing. Likes to hang out at the barbershop. Right. A lot of cool stuff hanging on there. It's part of our culture. At the barbershop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's part of our culture. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, you're doing something. You're yeah. hanging out there. I don't yeah. have a lot of hair. Yeah, but I yeah. It's a face. Like, yeah. I can you, tell that it's being groomed. Yeah, you yeah. can do that yourself. You don't have to be the oh barbershop. No, it's not mean. I'm just saying the barbershop. I know this from Eli. He, the guys love him there, and they hang out. They come to the parties and everything. So yeah, he's got a hood pass. Yeah, it is not a barbershop of like the one I go for, like the Russian army barber very different <laughs> but, I, I, but i will finish this in saying that the daily beast did a story about that meeting mm-hmm. and recounts tom arnold calling somebody yeah who he thinks has these tapes and screaming at him and mm-hmm. you know the journalist is writing it and uh, does a fair job of actually conveying it because i um that day heard that message from tom arnold wow. mm-hmm. And it was the most insane thing. And there was a series of messages. Uh, This has driven people crazy, particularly somebody who's probably already insane. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to be a real special type of person to marry Roseanne Barr. But I suppose when you're a complete hack and you're not funny and you have no talent, you have to latch on to somebody that does. So maybe I'll understand it that way. Listen, Tom Arnold was great in True Lies. Yeah, that was the only movie he's ever, I mean, he's been in, you know, every other like, shitty movie but like the only real movie he's been in basically was that um so yeah i mean i i heard i heard those um i heard those messages mm. and they are insane and I, I, I and I, I and i saw at that moment like this is a guy he was sitting with michael cohen when he made this phone call and i'm like man these people have just gone all of them have gone so far around the bend and uh, I can't say much more than that, but it was crazy. So, it was crazy. So to, 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 but they're kind of recounted in this daily beast story. Uh-huh. And uh, so I feel like I'm going to mention that much, but it's, it is really interesting that these people, like you can't forget all the elements of this, mm-hmm. the elements of, you know, the P tape. And then there's the, yeah, the yeah. apprentice tapes right. that may exist or may not exist or, you know, who someone's holding them somewhere. Somebody has them. There's, there's, elevator um, tape. I've, they, I've got no reason uh, to believe these things exist. Uh, they, I don't, Personally. I don't, I don't think they do. I mean, I just, to, to the extent I, I, yeah. they did exist, who is out there protecting Donald Trump's interest at this yeah. point? You, but I, I think back, and I know Eli reported a lot on Benghazi, uh-huh. and you know it was actual reporting, not not the kind of goofy stuff that you got sometimes on Fox. But 
there's a number of stories like this, mm -hmm. particularly during the Obama years, which were rightfully criticized for waiting sort of, you know, hip deep in the insane fever swamps. Mm -hmm. They were called out on it. And then when they happened related to, to this idiot in the White House, it got a pass. I mean, they actually were investigated by this is as if the Mena airport, <laughs> which you'll remember. God. I don't know if anyone out there in listener world remember the Mena airport, which was what <laughs> the uh, yeah. American we spectator investigating Bill before. Clinton. Yeah. You know, if the Arkansas project, which Byron York actually wrote a very good piece about for the Atlantic, good. about how it like it destroyed a magazine because they were obsessed with finding all these things about Clinton. Right. And they were getting money for Richard Mellon Scaife and all of a sudden the Arkansas project. They're chasing down these crazy. There was a thing, Parker Dozier's bait shop. That's yeah, actually a thing. Yeah. Like they were like going there to find everything. Like absolutely insane. Yeah. But in this way, now you have like Trump's lawyer and the Hollywood guys and making shows about it. And, you know, all these sort of seemingly respectable people and the, you know, uh, what's her name? Uh, Rachel Maddow. And it's like, yeah, th there's there's degrees, as Eli pointed out before. But we were been much more patient. We're not sort of objective about all of this stuff. We've been much more patient about allowing these things to happen because this presidency is so extra shitty. Mm -hmm. And maybe we'll sift and pan for it and get one little nugget that might get us out of this mess. And that's like, no, no, we have to retain the same principles of journalism, uh, whether or not it's this guy or the other guy. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems like a fairly basic point, but I've just noticed more and more is that everything to me, when I have like hear these messages of Tom Arnold, screaming like screaming like insulting like threatening insane mm -hmm. and it's like this is parker dozier's bait shop mm -hmm. to I, me i was on uh, uh the bill maher program two weeks ago with michael's uh, uh high school friend seth abramson mm -hmm. uh he did <laughs> author of proof of collusion and, and yeah. something of conspiracy smell your collusion i um, guess i guess he use, i guess Mueller didn't get that use your collusion could have just gone uh, on to amazon and fucking finished the investigation there yeah and he was the talking poetry about professor from unh 450 tweets he was the book uh, one of the Mueller report <laughs> that was an amazing thing yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's he, a mental breakdown in the right <laughs> he was uh he was the the first interview in the show right the opening thing oh yeah and if you're on the panel you're like uh, in the dark on like a yeah. bench in the behind so and you're like trying to psych yourself up so you can't totally listen to what's going on because you're just like i'm not scared i'm not scared yeah uh and so uh <laughs> but i heard him use the phrase and, and bill amar asked him about this like you said that you're involved in curatorial journalism <laughs> curatorial Let's i mean talk about that. it means i don't do journalism yeah. i steal other and, people's journalism. and the way that he the, the way that he defended this and should go online and see the clip uh, so that I don't misrepresent it. But it was just that like, uh, you know, a lot of the reporters who are actual reporters who work on this in, in this country they're you know, it's it's like they're they have myopia because they're only working on their story. Whereas I can pull and notice, you know, when we're reporting on Michael Flynn case that there was actually a story in the British press that didn't get a lot of play here. And so I can just, I can pull that and use that sort of as a, as, as, you know, I'm kind of connecting, you know, dots here. And it's like, holy, mm. Holy crap. I mean, it's, it's working. Yeah, but like with a really dumb guy. <laughs> it's working. you imagine a beautiful job? It was like with a guy who was like just not very talented. If you were a guy pointing at magazines on the wall. If a you plain were, looking nine. Backward. <laughs> 
from a, homely mind. <laughs> a narrative conclusion and you use Jesus as when, when when things get uh, kind of a uh, when things dip down yeah. uh, evidentiarily you're like well yeah but the Daily Mail just came out with a new <laughs> yeah, one. Like holy shit you're not in a good place. That's not curatorial. Yeah. That is like I have decided that this thing is true mm-hmm. and I am I'm scrambling for any bit of evidence here and that I mean that's been what Rachel Maddow has been doing for a long time and that is just a bad way to go about it. You're right Eli to to credit people for not biting on the dossier by the way who shared that with you what do you mean the dossier you said the dossier was why was it the the actual dossier was that i i I don't want to get into it yeah i I want you to get into it there there were sources in the i I can describe it there were people in like hillary's orbit who i had talked to about like legitimately what was i'm very proud of a column i wrote fairly early saying it looks like the russians hacked the dnc and, you know, I think, I mean, I, I know the post was the first to report, but I think it was one of the first to have a column and like I did my own reporting and I needed to be in touch with the Hillary campaign. on it. And there were people in the Hillary campaign and sort of around the Hillary campaign, surrogates, the national security, like, hey, you ought to look into this. And you know what? Like everybody, that's a great story. When someone pitches you a story, the nominee for the Republican Party might be working with Russia to steal the election. That's an incredible thing. You get very excited about that. But, you know, how you got to confirm it if you're a journalist. Yeah. You can't just come out with it, which is why I credit, you know, I think journalism kind of worked before the election. The problem was after the election was when I think that we saw a lot of this stuff sort of become weaponized and set the narrative. So even though there were true things that were reported, they were all in the context of we're, we're just one step away and then we're going to pull it all together. And that's where the faith in Mueller and all of that came from. I agree with you. There are chilling things in this, particularly on the obstruction side. But even if we look at the collusion, part one of the report, it's gross that when they know that WikiLeaks has got hacked emails that are private emails from John Podesta, Neera Tannen, people who were working on the campaign, they were like, they built a communication strategy around it. They didn't say, this isn't right. You know, I wouldn't like it if someone looked at my emails and then publicized them in this way. So that was, that's really bad. But that's like, you know, politics ain't beanbag. Uh-huh. It sucks. It would be nice if the voters were like, I'm not going to vote for a guy who would do something like that. It was pretty apparent that they did this. You didn't need the Mueller report to tell you that they used the WikiLeaks stuff as part of their political strategy. It was right. obvious every day if you paid attention to anything. So in that respect, you know, yeah, that's bad. And there are other examples where, hey, if it's what you say, I love it. You know, that's from the famous email. To uh, my favorite detail of all this, the Azerbaijani rock promoter. <laughs> yes, yes. Right, yeah. The guy yeah. who works at the Azerbaijani yeah. rock yeah. scene. That's great. Has a yeah. hot tip. Yeah. You know, yeah. has got a big tip tonight. Yeah, from the crown prosecutor. <laughs> yeah. Now, I would also add, though, in this, that like it's a little frustrating that it wasn't included in the Mueller report on that meeting in the Trump Tower that the opposition research that was actually provided. Ken Delanian wrote a very good story on this. The NBC News reporter came from Fusion GPS, the people who produced the dossier on Trump. Why? Because Natalia Veselnaskaya had retained Fusion GPS to work on behalf of basically this group, a Prevazon bank, which was working for the same goal of Vladimir Putin to end what are known as the Magnitsky sanctions. So guess what? Fusion GPS mercenaries mm-hmm. happy to also work for the Russians. None of that is considered when all this stuff comes to light 
It's like, well, wait a second. I mean, like, if if it's if if Don Jr. can't meet with them, well, what about the firm that put together this dossier? They're actually getting money basically mm. from the Russians. What about that? Yeah, we're we're, we're probably drowning in details. My final point on this is that um, the real villains here are the idiots who uh, clicked on the phishing link. <laughs> 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 uh, because I want to point out the difference between uh, what people think is hacking. Hillary got hacked. She didn't get hacked, by the way. Do you know this, right? She didn't get uh-huh. hacked. They clicked on a link and you gave them your password. Well, this is Podesta. Podesta. Well, yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, Podesta. I mean, the Podesta yeah. stuff, that's phishing. And right. this is a phishing attack. And it's like, oh, it was a hacked and a hacked and a hacked. I mean, I don't know with the Hillary stuff. I don't know what happened. And we don't. I mean, is there a detail out there about that? It might be. But but I know with the Podesta one, which is like, really? It's it's like the election. Like, I work someplace where you send they send out fake phishing things to just test people. There's services that do this to make sure their employees are not clicking blindly on links. And you're John Podesta and you have this level of security. You don't even have two pass authentication on your <laughs> logins like you deserve it. Stop it. Stop being idiots. Don't click on those links, people. Well, so, so wait a second. That online cheap Viagra. Yeah. Yes, yeah, no totally. Good. It works. <laughs> totally real. It works. They, want, totally they want repeat customers. Yeah, you should sign up for They're that. They're not giving you bad stuff. Give them your credit card information. Yeah. Make yeah. certain to call a guy in Nigeria. Yeah. Um, so, as I said, to I beat up your friend. There's a, there's a lot. Of, <laughs> there's a lot of details related to sort of book one of the of the Mueller uh, report, which is all about the Trump Russia collusion question, so to speak, as as well as the Russian election interference more broadly, which a lot is said about that. I think the the one thing that we've talked about related to that, that I think is worth underscoring here is, I mean, in terms of the details related to the Russian campaign more broadly, um, uh, one of the things that's been reported subsequent to the report's release is that a Florida, um, that there was some sort of breach with respect to the municipal government in Florida that might have had something to do with the elections, that the Russians perhaps got access to election rolls in some particular area in Florida. We don't know the details because it's been redacted. And to the extent folks in Florida have reached out uh, to the investigators, they apparently have not been able to get additional information on this just yet. Um, What isn't obvious to me is what value of what value it would be to the Russians to have, say, all of the data on even presume it was all of the Florida voters. What what value is that to you? What can you do with that information? If you if you can hack into the voter rolls you can but i mean if you have it because it's hack into it doesn't mean that you've like changed it in any sort of no, way you can't yeah. I, this is you, i did a story just have the file i did a story about this before the election and i completely forgot about it until right now and i went to michigan and talked to a guy uh, a computer scientist and a professor at uh, university of michigan who worked on this stuff and the the shittiness of america's uh, electronic voting system is actually one of its advantages in, in, yeah right, yeah. right? and so i I mean, he was showing the machines used in various places in the country that still run Windows 20, uh, Windows 95, Windows 25. Yeah, it's like the Henry Ford anti-Semitic edition. Um, it ran Windows Me, you know, all this stuff. And there were ways that they could do it fairly quickly, not that quickly, because there were SD card slots on some of these old machines. Right. But they're not there. There's no network of them that ever touches the Internet. Right. They don't play well amongst one another. And, you know, the paper ballot thing's a separate story. But I've seen these things recently about the Russians hacking into to voting 
you know, voter rolls and the presumption that you get from reading a lot of these headlines is that the Russians hacked into voting voting machines and therefore could alter tallies, which is not the case. Yeah. And there's no evidence that that has ever happened and it couldn't happen. That's why this guy was showing me how you do with SD cards, because you can go into the actual machine. You'd have to hang out in there right. for a little bit and insert an SD card into the side of these old, old, uh, what was it? Die, D-Bold? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, those Die kind bold. of machines. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's like that. It's been a, a, a classic kind of scare story. The headline is completely different than what what is. It's not completely different. It's what you what you glean from it right. is that there's some major scary operation going right, on, right. and that there's one big unified system. They're right. not. They're all different. Well, the influence campaign more broadly. I mean, we're still talking about uh, less than two hundred thousand dollars that's spent on ad dollars. All of the impressions, the millions of impressions. An impression doesn't mean that anything was clicked on. No. The events that were coordinated all over the the. the country well it, we're not necessarily sure that this was a ton of events i mean you there's know still, you know this there's well. still no quantification yeah. of all yeah, of you've the been right on this for like two years coming, i think coming to fruition and being this massive force in our election but it's still the case that after subsequent to the report being released major journalists are on television and in russia the papers continuing to talk about election. russia hacking into the election how we're on the precipice of something terrible happening and we're still not doing enough to it's safeguard shocking. our democracy it, it is actually shocking it's, to me it's because, hyperbolic yeah. and that that continues unabated yeah. there's, I mean, there's I no slowdown on that whatsoever i loathe the kremlin and i loathe those who do the kremlin's bidding um either independently or freelance or actually working for the government particularly those people working out of the lubyanka and fsb but it is an amazing thing especially the facebook thing you know this very well camille because you put videos up on facebook uh-huh. that you've produced is that i the stuff that i do people be like oh you know the thing on facebook has nine million views right like, holy shit and yeah, then yeah. i go to the one on, on YouTube, which is better quality, easier to distribute, easier to, 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 to share with other people. And it has like 200,000 views. Mm-hmm. And it's because, you know, it auto plays mm-hmm. and they count differently and they're very like generous. Three second views. Three second views. Right. right? Yeah. And it's very generous in that way. So when people talk about, and I don't know this specifically, but I, I, I'm very dubious when I see ad imp- the impressions, the millions of people that saw this stuff. I don't know what that means, particularly in Facebook, because I know the stuff that I do when I see high numbers on Facebook doesn't mean a ton. Yeah. So there's still that hysterical yeah. aspect of the reportage. I think your 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 skepticism, I think, has been correct, which is to say, yeah, and by you being correct, you're referring to Camille yeah, being Camille correct. Fox. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, generally true. Which is yeah. that hacking individuals who are working on a campaign mm-hmm. who are private American citizens and then distributing them. That's a that's a shocking violation of privacy done by a foreign power, and it's yeah. really really bad. Yeah. Uh, then then there's like. Facebook and Twitter ads and things like that, which is, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, we have no way of really quantifying it. I think it's just a dodge to say, you know, America has a problem with Americans, Mm -hmm. which is that a lot of Americans are online. They believe a lot of dumb stuff. Mm -hmm. They believe a lot of fake news. And, uh, you know, Russia figured out that a lot of Americans love social media, but, you know, like they're like hardly the only ones who figured that out. Right. And that, we're just going to have to deal with this. And the answer is a really unsexy, hard problem that's going to take years and years, which is that we have to do a better job of teaching people things like media literacy, independent thinking, rational to, thought. I mean, like all, to the extent that's to the extent that's, but that's like not, you yeah. know, as a, but it's much easier to say, ah, if it hadn't been for those Russian Facebook ads, yeah. which is ridiculous. I mean, I think that that's like, 
you know, I mean, I think there's a plausible case that you can save your Hillary if it wasn't for Comey's second letter. Yeah. And then, then you, okay, fine, maybe. Um, you know, it's hard to figure it out. But that, I think, really is a sort of dodge from a harder question, which is that there are a lot of Americans who are online who believe just absolute bullshit. Yeah. You know? So sharp turn to the question of um, of uh, obstruction, which is what the entire sort of second portion of the, the Mueller report is about. Oh, we're going to part two of Mueller. Well, well just, 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 brief, just brief. Jesus. Wow. Just briefly. It's like a briefly. Wagner opera. God. Just do, we get a, do we get a break where the people can pull over their yes, cars and absolutely. walk for a little bit? Absolutely. <laughs> Jesus. Just, just briefly. We're because, make it very brief. Because I, I'm, I'm thinking that, that the, the general set of questions related to the obstruction are completely separate from all of the, whether or not there was any sort of coordination with the Russians. Um, yes. And that secondary set of questions, and I think we've said it at the time that the president could very well end up getting in trouble for obstructing an investigation when he in fact did nothing wrong apart from obstructing yeah. the investigation, <laughs> yeah. which is precisely the circumstance that yeah. is described yeah. in the Mueller report. Yeah. Um, and to the extent Nothing happens or to the extent there are further hearings that go on. Most of the hearings, it seems, that are happening on Capitol Hill or are likely to happen pertain to this question of whether or not there was obstruction. And, of course, trying to get the president's finances so that they can do some digging and find something terrible and miserable and bad there. I don't know if there are any sort of broader reactions to that other than what I just top lined it as but. one. I would just uh, say what Democrats do on Capitol Hill right now, or what I would recommend that they do um, is the, the fertile ground here is just to say the president came out, you know, two days ago and said, Oh, everyone follows all of my orders. And I never told anyone to lie. Well, okay. Um, it's obviously not true in a couple of ways. So you go ahead and subpoena Dom again and have him testify and show that this person who no longer works in the government um, uh, is is conflicting. His testimony totally conflicts with the president of the United States about something uh, that there. So show the president is a liar. That's mm-hmm. a useful exercise. I want to know. I want to be. Well, I the president so I, is going to let these people testify. Uh, right. And so we'll have fights over that. Um, uh, I, I, I think it's. I think people uh, should not be blasé in the face of poor behavior and lying and especially the the suborning of lies, uh, instructing your people to go out and tell bullshit to the world is a bad uh, behavior. And so if Democrats want to hold hearings that uh, highlight that and just, uh, you know, illustrate it uh, as, as succinctly as possible. I think that is a useful and worthwhile way for a legislative branch to hold the executive branch's feet to the fire. I think that uh, having said that, the way that this will be uh, discussed, portrayed, designed is always going to be with a big stick in mind. Uh, should we? Is this an impeachment proceeding? Um, mm-hmm. Can we? Everyone is leading with a conclusion always. Uh, I, I think that's a mistake, both in terms of strategy, strategy, even from the people who want. To have an impeachment, the best way, the best road to an impeachment. I think Hillary Clinton said this yesterday, and uh, and forgive me for agreeing with her. Um, the actual best road to impeachment has nothing to do with having an impeachment proceedings. Mm-hmm. The best road to impeachment is to have fact finding from the legislative branch showing that Donald Trump acted in very bad ways, in ways uh, as as Mueller put it in the report, uh, 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 corrupt power. He used his power in a corrupt way. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. We shouldn't have uh, a president acting in using his power in a corrupt way. Sadly, they all do. Um, they have different flavors of those ways. And well, Eli's I, I wanted to say, though, what's fascinating 
about Trump is that it's almost an abdication of power or it's it's not how it's supposed to work. I mean, Trump does these things, which makes him look a little bit like Tony Soprano or a Tammany Hall boss where he says, OK, you know, you're going to get the story right. I need you to go and fire this guy. And then his subordinates ignore him. Don't do it. And they don't do it. So it's it's a kind of like weird moment where Trump thinks he's the president. He can do all of these things and he can't even get his, you know, most important staff to follow through. Um, That doesn't make make it worse. It tells us a lot about the character. I think that that's really something that is best left to the voters in 2020. Yes, I agree. The problem is that because of two and a half years of overselling the Russia case, the people that are supposed to be the messengers on this, that have a very easy and obvious case to make, have their own credibility problems. And, you know, I'm sorry, but like Trump has a point when he says, you know, you've been talking about this for this long and it didn't turn out. And now you're going to try to get me for something else. Not saying all the stuff that you described. It's absolutely right. What he did is despicable and it's corrupt and dishonest and it's really bad. But I think it's a matter for the voters. Again, imagine an alternative scenario where the Democrats did not put all of their eggs in this very sketchy basket. And also, if you if you repudiate him and people like him at the polls, that's a much more lasting uh, victory or, you know, uh, right. a, a, a repudiation. If you tell uh, future politicians act like Trump and you will lose by 20 percentage points, there won't be any more Trumps. Correct. So that's actually how you solve the problem. So I, I did want to push this in a slightly different direction, and it's not completely disconnected from this topic, but the WikiLeaks Julian Assange of it all. Um, and Eli, I know you wrote a piece about yeah. Assange recently, and the, the big question when Assange got got pinched was whether or not he is a journalist, or as I think you mentioned in your piece, is he a journalist, is he a publisher, or is he something else, something perhaps a bit more nefarious? And I think in your piece, you try to parse this difference. And you seem to suggest that you, Eli, that at different times, Assange is both a journalist who is providing us with us Americans with important, useful information that serves a public purpose and informs people. But he's also a pretty nefarious character who is, in fact, working against the interests of the United States by publishing the specific in this particular case. I think you talk about the specific technical details of how the United States is going about hacking. So Um, I would say it depends on the time you ask when, when WikiLeaks starts, and this is before the 2010 cable gate, Julian Assange is, you know, great. He wants transparency. He says, you know, we don't have any favor of what government we're going to write, you know, publish documents from. The original WikiLeaks focused a lot on Iceland for some reason, but you could find in the early WikiLeaks, those early years, you would find documents about from the Islamic courts union in Somalia. You know, it was, it was actually a pretty admirable organization and very idealistic when it began. Um, When he finally hooked up with uh, then Bradley, now Chelsea Manning, um, there was a lot of very important information in the public record from the particularly the diplomatic cables. And I would also argue the video um, 
from the chopper that killed the Reuters, the Reuters journalist. Reporters, yeah. um, and there was also a lot of stuff that should never have been published, such as the names of the confidential informants and his approach to publishing everything, even though he was also working with journalists, was weird. And I disagreed with him. He has always been a bit of a paranoid freak show. But if you just look at the last few years with WikiLeaks, I say he has morphed from being a publisher of information that should be protected to being a combatant in information warfare, which is to say he not only published the CIA hacking tools, which if you if you had that information, you gave it to journalists and then they reported on this is what the CIA can do. That's fine. It's important. But when you publish the raw source code, you're just giving hostile intelligence services an incredible advantage uh, so they can patch any exploits that the U.S. government was trying to do. So that puts you in a different category. And I would argue publishing the personal emails of individuals, even if they're working on a political campaign, is different than publishing State Department cables that show how, you know, the Yemeni president was lying to his legislature and things like that. and. In that respect, and also, you know, then you have the worst of it, which is that Julian Assange then, you know, in 2016 and 2017, participated in really lying to the public by making it seem like his source may have been Seth Rich, the mm. murdered DNC staffer, instead of acknowledging, you know, that it, it clearly wasn't and that, you know, and, 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 and putting out this fanciful bullshit about how we had an insider in the DNC and I can't talk about it more. They put out like O.J. Simpson, to find the real killers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was all that. That does not put you on the side of transparency and informing the public. That makes you a spin doctor. That makes you somebody who is bullshitting the public, who is deceiving the public. So I think over time, Julian Assange's role morphs from publisher journalist to operative in information warfare. Is, is there broad agreement with that? Yeah, I mean, I think the only question, um, and I guess where that question gets heated is never, well, it's not not never, but I mean, mostly with the people that I interact with, is what is legal and what is moral are, are different That's things. That's a fair point, too. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, like, it is, uh, but you should not go to jail for publishing, you know, personal emails or CIA, the stuff that's hacked. I mean, you give that stuff to the Washington Post and they're going to have a conversation with the with the CIA. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people criticize and that. And often decide not to publish D things. Often decide not to. Yeah. And that's uh, true of any mainstream journalist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're often criticized for that, having sort of cozy relationships with power. But, you know, Assange is the thing, of course, is to just to publish everything. But, and again, is that, you know, publish everything of particularly of the powers that he doesn't like. So that's the United States, number one. And of course, all this stuff happened with Hillary Clinton because Hillary Clinton, he hates Hillary Clinton. And you see these interactions where he's saying, well, you know, I mean, who was it with? Was it with Stone or um, I can't remember who it was where he was saying that, you know, she's worse of a neocon than he is. Mm. And so it's it's incumbent upon us to defeat her. That is fine if he wants to do that. But it's mm -hmm. very, very different from the public 
persona that he's projected of someone who's the neutral kind of arbiter of information that desperately wants to be free, but is held back by people. I mean, his associations have been very, very bad. I mean, the Israel Shamir stuff, who is a famous anti-Semite and Holocaust denier who was given control of the of the documents and the cables in Russia and then delivered them to Lukashenko in Belarus um, as a political act. Um, his son, uh, Israel Shamir, son who was was you know actually given uh, censure by the by a press watchdog in Sweden. His, uh, his son is Swedish. Um, was running the organization there. Um, and he was censured for being anti-Semitic and writing an anti-Semitic article that was full of nonsense. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the people that he surrounds himself with are questionable and he's done a lot of questionable things. And a lot of the people that criticize him, and again, this is very, very different from saying he has the right to publish this stuff and he shouldn't go to jail. Right. Um, a lot of the people around him, I think, you know, guys like Daniel Domscheid, Bent was the, one of the original ones who wrote was a was a collaborator and then left. There was um, you know, James Ball, I think, right, uh, James from Ball's the, the right. Guardian. And then there's a million profiles of him that you just all these people that worked close to him that mm -hmm. were like, "There's something wrong with this guy." Right. I mean, when I first saw him it was before those cables came out and the video came out and it was in a small auditorium. Uh, were you there? In, yeah, yeah, so the human right. yeah, yeah. And uh, where he mm -hmm. compared um, Guantanamo to Auschwitz, which I was. <laughs> Ugh. He said uh, Auschwitz had Arbeit Matfrei uh, over the entrance, and then he compared it to whatever the slogan. By the way, as side note, Carter Page has described his interrogation by the Mueller probe to Guantanamo. Oh, really? Yeah. So we, there we have a perfect <laughs> property, <laughs> perfect uh, uh, circle. So <laughs> they told him which way to pray and gave him hummus. <laughs> <laughs> nice job, Carter. Um, so yeah, I mean, like he's a he's he's a very dubious character who's said a lot of things over the years that I don't think are true, mm -hmm. and also you know I don't find it. I mean, what a complete fucking bullshitter! Where he said like he does a show for RT. And he says, well, no, it's a production company that is like, and, and RT just bought it. You know, it's like, in the, and I think the, the first guest was like Hassan Nasrallah or right. something. <laughs> it was like, okay, we know where you're going. So, I mean, there's, there's not a lot of um, uh, Russian leaks coming out of coming out of um, mm -hmm. it's a big country with a lot of people that I'm, I'm sure that are leaking every day to the independent media like Medusa and you know Novoya Gazeta mm -hmm. and it's never getting to Julian Assange mysteriously not not getting to Julian Assange well, again, again if he's a political actor that's fine I yeah. don't have a problem with that. well, well he, he has published a lot of Russian one, stuff in the past though on this one point the Justice Department has a bizarre theory that because he helped uh, well yeah I want to Chelsea wanna, Manning yeah like you know with some basic password tips. Right. To try to, this to is, try to cover, to try to cover the tracks. Yeah. But there's no evidence that he even did that. Right. Which is, I there's mean, there's a conversation about it. This right. Is the, and this, well, there's, gets, the conversation gets, is about how to yeah. do the, how to cover your tracks in order to, to continue to take information, essentially log in with someone else's credentials. So they won't know that it was you. What everybody forgets about in this is that the justice department tried a similar, there was a, there was a right. moment where they had a similar one with um, the lulsec uh, hacking crew mm -hmm. and a guy called Cebu. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember that, mm -hmm. but there was somebody in like Cebu's crew who had tried to suborn hacking from Julian Assange. And there was some interaction 
um, where they thought they had him then because mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, no, WikiLeaks will help you out. That's what they were hoping to get. Right. But it's very murky as to what happened. Um, and if anything did happen, it doesn't appear that anything did. So we're getting into this to the specifics of the hacking, yeah. but I want to I want to stick with this delineation between uh, I think, Eli, you talked to, in your piece, you said uh, in this respect, it's important to draw a distinction between independent news organization and Internet activists that advances the interest of or collaborates with hostile powers by publishing emails that hackers steal. And interestingly, Moynihan, you're painting a picture of a character who is dodgy and has yes. questionable associations uh, of course, yeah. and is not a careful journalist uh-huh. by by sort of any stretch of the imagination at not various at points and, and essentially alienates people who are perhaps yeah. in his orbit who are quite careful. And you still suggest not that he should be prosecuted for publishing these Things. Yeah, look, I get in, exactly in which what, case I'm, I'm wondering, I, are, do you I, 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 see the same need to delineate between I, I find it more difficult and I, I, I understand exactly what Eli is saying, because I think uh, of the totality of evidence and I've been watching this guy and writing about him for a long time now is that, you know, I think I have a sense of what what he's doing and why he's doing it. Right. I mean, you, you can grab from here, there and everywhere and see the people he's associated with the places where he's had television shows, <laughs> the countries that he's attacked and tried to, you know, kind of go after and that have been really sort of in his wheelhouse of interest. Um, but it, it, you get into a very, very dangerous territory when trying to um, understand why pe- people are doing things. If they happen to, you know, look, there's a lot of journalists that, that have produced very, very good work that I disagree with. That has been actually very useful because they were sort of pro North Vietnam or pro mm-hmm. Sandinistas mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But it's very, very hard to get into the, the mind of somebody and say, you know, it's kind of like hate crime stuff in a way. You get in the mind and say, well, you're trying to affect the results. Uh, political results and 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 benefit a hostile power. It's quite clear to me that that's what Julian Assange's uh, interest is. Is the hostile power is the enemy of my enemy is my friend, the United States. He believes in a sort of Chomsky way to be the the worst actor on the world stage when it comes to foreign policy um, and other things too. Um, and I think he would like to affect change in that way. And he would sidle up next to some people who are kind of unsavory characters. Mm-hmm. But it's very very difficult unless you get. I mean, that's why the thin read that they're hanging this on is like, well, yeah, this password thing that he maybe tried to. That's it's like that's not. That's really not what one expected when like Julian Assange is going to get the death penalty. Right. right? No, there was and it's like now this is like, what, what, what is this, yeah. like a four year sentence? Yeah. Something like that. I mean, if it was even that. Well, Matt, well I mean, I we agree. Yeah. I was making that distinction in the, in the article, not because I was defending the prosecution. I was right, just saying that right. if you're going to call him a journalist and treat him as a journalist, yeah, yeah. then, you know. I wouldn't do that at this point with him because I think I think we both agree. He's I, see. I think that's right, and I think that, that this right. is the thing that, you, that is is lost, and you're not really allowed to get too much nuance in this. Is that you're writing short columns and doing short television right. hits? Is that he's using journalistic tools, and and these that's fine. That's what protects him from going to jail and being a spy or whatever the hell people people like um, accuse him of. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to classify him as a journalist in the same way that Maggie Haberman is a journalist or Eli Lake is a journalist. I don't believe that's true. But I do get a little frustrated with people who are like, he is a journalist. And it's like, well, what kind? I mean, I guess Sean Hannity is a journalist, too. But I wouldn't consider him a journalist in the same way that I would consider, you know, 
uh, anybody who uh, is at the New York Times writing about about the campaign or about politics every day. Mm. One way that I've thought about this over the years is just that uh, different categories of people, actually all categories of people are capable of committing acts of journalism. Mm. They might not have any connection to journalism at all otherwise. But in this moment, and I mean, a, a simple interview is an act of journalism. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, Sean Hannity interviewing people who are, have precisely who are newsmakers in some level, he interviews the president. That is an act of journalism. It's not going to be a very good interview, I predict. Uh, and then he's going to throw the football at the end. And then he's going to throw the football at the end. Unfortunately, it's a bad spiral. But then he's going to go and introduce the president and be sanctioned by his own organization, which is not known for being a nonpartisan organization. I mean, that's so, uh, that anyway, it, but yeah. it takes a lot. So it's it and th- that way you don't get so hung up all the time. I think that a lot of th- this is like internet 2.0 stuff or 1.5 stuff. Everyone was like, well, are the people are bloggers journalists? Right. Oh, are, God, uh, I remember that. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> remember the word blogger? Uh, it was it was it was replaced by the word incel. <laughs> I uh, anybody the, anyone no? during the two thousand four uh, <laughs> Democratic. Uh, uh, it's, national, a port, it's a portmanteau. Figure it out, people. Uh, national uh, convention in Boston. Mm. It's my first time to uh, Mass Hall Central. Uh, uh, back I thought then. that was just your first time. Uh, it was my yeah. first time in many ways. He was an incel. Uh, <laughs> they were doing that. The media story then was like, this is the first convention covered by bloggers. Yeah. Uh, and I was and I was interviewed like a bunch of times because I was a blogger back then. Convention. New York Sun style weblog. Yeah, web we blog. would never call it a blog. It would be web space. Oh, blog. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah. So yeah. That's right. I like that. That's a, lot a, more that's, a, that's a Lipskyism. But yeah, don't. There's no. Don't get hung up on like he's a journalist, she's not, and this kind of stuff. Uh, and and the there's a, a series of attempts on the state and local level and elsewhere in our terrible uh, nightmare Trump era to sort of define or protect journalists as a certain class of people or yeah. to regulate them in a kind of hostile both, way. Which, both bad ideas. Both bad ideas. <laughs> yeah. Both bad ideas. The First Amendment doesn't talk about, I mean, it does talk about uh, the freedom of the press, but it doesn't create a category of human that is special and exalted. We yeah. don't need special. That's what Hollywood is for. <laughs> to, to say about journalists. totally is yeah. what Hollywood is That's, for. I, I was talking to a friend the other day. It was, we, were, we were talking about the um and i'm not trying to force a transition here mm. we were talking about the white house um uh correspondence, correspondence center. center yeah and, and and she was writing a piece and sort of running ideas by me and we got into this i and i when she's quite she's quite a bit younger than me and um she's uh, 12 and uh <laughs> she, she was like i was like can you name a, a um uh movie about journalism but particularly about american journalism where the journalist is the bad guy in any way in any way, I can't think of them. I can't. They're always these huh. sort of heroic figures. I mean, you seem like you got something. Saint right? Elmo's fire. <laughs> that guy, that little shit. That, yeah. that fucking little I hated shit. David yeah. You know what I'm I, talking about. I, I, yeah. I just got my piece for the for the New yeah. York Times here. It's yeah. a, it's called "What Is Life." What the yeah. meaning That's of not life? A fucking headline. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> enough already. You know, uh, great uh, Brevard performance from Jamie Gertz. Just for the record, just wanted to say that. Absolutely true. I uh, guess shattered shattered glass is, is shattered glass. Yes. Uh, which is a, oh, a yeah. the best, the best movie movie possibly. A and everyone thinks that because the journalist is a fucking asshole. Salvador <laughs> is is kind of like teetering on the edge. Uh, Salvador is a great, great uh, 80s. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, James, Oliver Stone movie. James, James Woods is yeah, a like right winger and a left winger. A super like coke snorting uh, a cameraman. So his 
is he's definitely a dodgy uh, character. Yeah. And then and then obviously the paper. and it was and it was of course a, an attack from the left because it was the idea with Oliver Stone was that the American uh, journalist class wasn't doing enough to denounce Reagan's interference in El Salvador. Uh, has so. there been a, a proper biopic of Walter Durante or we just know? We're, no, I don't think the problem is if you ever made a movie like that, it would come out like that anti-abortion movie that just came out. Cause like when conservatives, if that was going to be a conservative movie, when conservatives make movies, Oh my God, yeah, uh, there is one. The, the Chadwick Whittick movie was great. I, I don't think that was, was that an expressly conservative movie. Conservative movie. Yeah, I don't think it so. was just that it, Ted Kennedy is a been. drunk <laughs> guy who <laughs> killed a lady. Which is like, I don't know. I I think liberals probably hate that too. One would hope they don't, they don't like killing <laughs> Only ladies when he's safely dead. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because yeah. he was great on healthcare. That was my, when, when all the obituaries came out. It's like he killed a lady. He's like, but he saved other ladies because he loved healthcare. Um, <laughs> great no, staff work no, too. No, Just high know. quality staff. Work. I don't know if that's true, but uh, I don't know. What I'm talking about. We so can, can I, I wanted to ask a question about journalistic protections because it's it's something that I think we allude to all the time. But I mean, from a from a legal standpoint. The, the fact is that there's a, a principle, an idea, a notion of journalistic protection. But in terms of the, the actual boundary line, the place where what yeah. you're doing is something that could actually get you in trouble, thrown in jail for, say, 70 days for not telling the government who yeah, your sources were. Like, that can happen. Did Judy and, Miller. And, and it's all really a matter of norms. It's yeah. not really a matter of explicit, concrete legal precedent that makes it <laughs> rock solid and, those- and absolutely transparently clear what is protected journalistic endeavors and what is something that begins to get you into well, trouble Judy, from a journalist? Judy Miller standpoint. was a, is a great example because I remember when that happened, um, Adrian, Ariana Huffington and lots of journalists were anti Judy Miller because of her Iraq war reporting, even though every journalist should have been, what the hell are you talking about? I'm not, we, yeah. we we defend the right of a journalist not to turn over her notes right. to a special prosecutor. This is bullshit. Yeah, if you've got the wrong politics. But, like, actually, it was a live debate on at the time. You remember that? I mean, there Absolutely. were a lot of people who were it. like, oh, this isn't the right case for a First Amendment. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's the, yeah. it's the it, case it, before it, us. And, and it, it shows now that, you know, if it was somebody from The New York Times, you know, if uh, I say Tom Friedman. No, it's not. That's a bad example. Uh, <laughs> anybody, Charles Blow. Anybody went to jail. <laughs> yeah, that guy. No, yeah. but like uh, but Barack Obama used that uh, more Against, than any previous president. I mean, the, the uh, James, uh, James Rosen. Everybody named Reisner or Rosen yeah. just had to go if to someone jail. Someone asked, yeah. asked Barry Weiss to hand over her notes. Like yeah. there would be like several <laughs> columns yeah. saying, why isn't she in jail already? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> can I make a can I uh, put a little footnote? on the Barry Weiss thing because I wanted to come back to it oh, for something because yeah, yeah. Eli introduced it. Uh, somebody just sent me a text message uh, with a link and this kind of pissed me off so I, I just want to address it before we we go get really drunk. Mm. Um, and it was in The Cut which is the New York Magazine's little blog run by people who aren't particularly smart. And the, the headline was the only good takeaway from that Barry Weiss profile. And it's somebody called Amanda Arnold. Um, and you know, I asked before, was there any sort of revelations in this thing that people are going to talk about? Um, no, but apparently there was. And it's something that the people around this table know. And um, it's in New York Magazine now in some uh, some detail. And so I feel fairly comfortable in addressing this. But it's about Barry Weiss's sexuality. 
Mm-hmm. Right? And it talks about how Barry Weiss once dated Kate McKinnon from mm-hmm. SNL. And this, by the way, is, is what pissed me off. Um, and talks about her, her current girlfriend, who um, is also a friend of mine uh, and a former colleague of mine. Um, and she's named by name. So, again, don't, don't get mad at me, Nelly. Um, you're in New York Magazine. Mm-hmm. And the only good thing to come out of that. So if you read this piece of like a couple paragraphs, it is someone basically saying, oh, God, it's not totally bad because she's gay. <laughs> right? And it's a really fascinating thing to, to watch. Hmm. It's like people saying like, oh, she's repulsive. She has these repulsive ideas, but she has good taste in women, which is basically the reason I bring this up is because Barry, uh, who I've known for many, many years, has never mentioned this because she's very consistent in her ideas about identity politics and those identity that that identity includes her own. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, you know, this very well, Camille, because you don't, you know, the melanin force field is something that you don't choose is something Mm -hmm. people that, that force upon you. Right. And I saw that. And as the first time I've ever seen it in print and it's been something that some people have known and those of us who know her well have known for a long time. Mm -hmm. And some people I know who've, have sort of tittered about and asked me to which I've always said, I don't know anything about Barry's life, which is a lie, but it's it's, (laughs) it's nobody's business. I don't, it's not going to talk about somebody's private life. The correct answer is ask her. Yeah. Ask her, not me. Yeah. So, you know, I see this this piece in, in New York Magazine tonight because apparently there is a mention of um, Kate McKinnon in mm-hmm. in the subhead. It says used to date Kate McKinnon or something. And I just think it's hilarious that that is what the cut in New York Magazine decides to write about. And it's the thing that they praise her on. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, you know, there's one good thing about it. We find out that she's, you know, actually has an identity of this person. It's like, no, no, that's exactly what she doesn't like. <laughs> and that's exactly why you didn't previously know about yeah. it. Now, wait, watch uh, Kate McKinnon get uh, a bunch of heat for, my God, you dated that monster very well. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, I swear if anybody out there wants to go and search uh, Twitter for McKinnon Weiss, and you know, I, I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of, you know, Mazel Tovs in there. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. You know, I just thought that was, that just came in and I saw that a second ago and I was like, oh, okay. So I guess people know that now. And um, I just think it's irrelevant and as irrelevant as Barry always thought it was. And I think it's really unseemly for, for New York Magazine to actually pull that out of a profile about somebody who has become this shockingly, this public intellectual who mm-hmm. is, even when you dislike her politics or like her columns is a tremendously interesting, honest, and, and, and a very nice and kind person. She's yeah. always been good to me. Which comes off in the profile. Yeah. yeah. Well, the one last But it was written I- by a Zionist to a Zionist. So, you know. <laughs> the one last Figures. thing I would ask about the Assange situation, or at least point to with respect to the Assange situation, is the fact that he is being prosecuted for what is essentially some sort of, apparently, it seems to the extent he is prosecuted in the United States, it would be for something related to this hacking situation, unless the circumstances change. The the initially responses from many, many corners of the journalistic universe were, well, that's a good thing. I mean, it's good that they're not going after him for being a journalist and for publishing, publishing things. Yeah. But I'm not so sure that's the case. It's certainly better that they're not doing that. But to the extent he's being prosecuted at all, it seems to me that prosecuting him for this is essentially indirectly prosecuting him for the journalistic work that he was doing. And in so doing, considering the fact that we're really just, it's all about preserving norms here. Like any degradation of those norms is potentially jeopardizing the good work of journalists later on down the line. 
this seems like it is not a very good thing. Well, I would say I say in one and one way, it kind of defeats the Julian Assange narrative that the United States is one an enormous Auschwitz, isn't it? Mm. That, you know, if if the United States was half the things that I've read him say about it and saw him in public compare, uh, you know, Guantanamo to Auschwitz. I mean, you can hate Guantanamo and not think it's a Nazi death camp. But, you know, the language he uses. I mean, you know, look at the past comments about they're going to drone me. They're going to execute me. They're going to do all this stuff. Um, I wouldn't say because it's the Trump administration, because, you know, he said, oh, I love WikiLeaks. I mean, it, this guy doesn't have a memory of what he says three seconds later. He's like a demented hedgehog walk, walking around, you know, knocking into walls. So, oh, he's, I, I tweeted this myself. Like mm-hmm. he said this there, they should get the death penalty. He should get the death penalty. Oh, he said, he's great. And now he said, I don't even know who he is. That was mm-hmm. the kind of arc of what he said about Julian Assange. Mm-hmm. So none of that actually matters. And what matters are the people like John Bolton doesn't like Julian Assange. Assange, right? I mean, the, the certain people that he's hired, a lot of them don't like Julian Assange. And Julian Assange's idea and the idea of some of the heavy breathing people at WikiLeaks, there is a danger that he's going to become and come to the United States and be, be prosecuted. Uh, and I think that's wrong. But the, the, the stuff that he's going to get the death penalty for, you know, spying for a foreign power, you could try to make that case. Right. And as you've seen with with, with DOJ lawyers that are that are, you know, Trump friendly and um, enjoy making these cases, you can make a very bad case, but you can make still make a case and then lose the case. Right. But get him here to lose that case, to make a big spectacle, you know, um, you know, Slansky type trial that, you know, uh, it's a shared. I, I That's the one thing I will say to your point is that, yeah, it's not great, but it's 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 I'm glad that they didn't twist and turn to try to make it into that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's um, generally a positive thing. Two okay. two quick points on that. Um, the Mueller report and and Barr in his uh, press conference beforehand mm-hmm. made it very clear that he did not consider WikiLeaks to be the same as DC Leaks, which was a total Russian, Russian right, front, yeah. front. Right. So there is some degree of so it's it's quite possible that he did not know he was getting the, inform, the stolen emails from the GRU, the Russian right. intelligence. So that's an important point to keep in mind that even the Mueller report does not make that. Yeah. claim that WikiLeaks was colluding, if Knowing you will, with Russia knowingly. Mm-hmm. And the second point is, I just think it's very important to distinguish between publishing government documents and publishing the personal emails of American citizens who are in a political party, because that's a civic organization. It's not the same thing as the government. Uh, not to say that, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying never publish any emails that you get, that, but that's why, it's, you know, journalism is frankly better than radical transparency where you just, you know, dock someone and put it on the internet. Those are so, two so different I, I, kinds and the of question, because we don't have this, this kind of delineation, the law is what is the comparison? And maybe if I was still writing, I'd try to figure this out between um, Julian Assange publishing people's private emails, people that are, you know, John Podesta and people like that uh, and the fappening. Right. I mean, because the fappening, which you remember, is celebrity nudes of people um, stupidly basically giving up their iCloud passwords. Uh, Those are private citizens. Do they have to have political opinions? Do they have to be affiliated or associated with the political party where it becomes journalistic? Does it have to be printed stuff that that, you know, 
kind of informs the public debate or if there's a picture in that of like Henry Kissinger's balls, do we publish that too? Or do we redact that? Because that's actually not journalism. Always publish Kissinger's balls. Oh, I have one on my phone. I'll show it to you in a second. I'll show it to you in a second. I got that. Thankfully I got one of those big iPhones. It's the screen is enormous. Yeah, it's great. It's great. You know, weirdly when I first looked at it, I was like, that looks like a map of Cambodia. <laughs> oh my god yeah. uh matt you got anything on this before we I, punch out of here nope i you can't top yeah Cambodia. so it's sort of you're saying that it peaked from like 75 to 79 is that what you're saying it drooped it, drooped. it didn't peak <laughs> um there is peaking and drooping yeah um, i thought for, for a moment there a i thought we were going to talk about william rogers robert thinks. robert anyway. the leaked robert Kraft video but nah, yeah. i don't know i haven't found that on the dark web yet i have a I'm some idiot it. that i want to give you yeah, we should talk about that if idiot. we're ra- if we're wrapping yeah, up yeah yeah because we, I, think we um, I, th- I don't think i actually sent this to you this is apparently a guy who who writes a tablet hmm. i don't know i thought this was a joke and then i clicked through his twitter feed and i assure you ladies and gentlemen it's not a joke. I'm going to read this tweet for you. A guy named Andrew something or other. Um, this is in response to a news story. Uh, I, I had seen this previously about um, Howard University students who feel disrespected by residents uh, using their yard. Oh, in Howard. yeah. Uh, I've been dogs. talking to a buddy about this. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, somebody who goes there, lives there. Around. Mm-hmm. This was a response uh, to somebody who has a hipster in his, uh, in his um, uh, Twitter handle. And mm-hmm. I want you to tell me, Camille, as the only non-black person at this table, <laughs> if this is true. <laughs> tell me if this is true. I'm going to read it to you right now. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Dogs are a tool of white supremacy and gentrification. Huh. That's not just my opinion. No, There's science. research that shows how white newcomers' dog-walking roots stake out territory. Wow. And white owners use their pets to socialize with other white owners excluding minorities huh um that got five thousand likes so <laughs> ladies and gentlemen if you no way yeah I'm, it's, it's real it's that's it's real. insane it's insane right it's wow. insane is it is your dog even your dog is a white supremacist <laughs> yeah. have you met Knox? that's yeah <laughs> I, I have I, yeah i have yeah i know when that uniform that he was wearing i was like what the fuck dude no i, I have uniform i have a i have a friend it's a brown who, shirt that's weird i have a friend who dog uh, from from bag. back home in maryland who is, went to a historically black college university hbcu which uh, howard also is um yep. and he was complaining about this circumstance where Locals are walking across campus, sometimes bringing their dogs with them, sometimes using the yard, the lawn, the large lawn area on campus for their dogs to exercise and apparently defecate and perhaps sometimes not picking it up. And this was, uh, in his own words, uh, white supremacy. So so why are you surprised that tweet if your friend's saying the same shit? He used the same description. Well, he didn't say that dogs are white supremacy. Mm -hmm. He said that it's white supremacist in the sense, in the sort of poltergeisty sense of white supremacy. So would a woke dog not have to shit? Is that the... (laughs) If a dog is woke, does it shit in the forest? The the woke dog would not cross the campus. Because walking across the campus is part of the problem. But But these people are temporary. 
Missouri. They're there for four years. We're talking about locals. Yeah, but, but doesn't the, that matter? But it's a, but a historic, it's a historically about. black space, so it's sacred. It's kind of like a cathedral. Space. You wouldn't bring your dog onto the Vatican's campus. Or I the, mean, the Vatican had a super nice lawn. Vatican is also a country. Piss. It's a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, they molest boys in there. The yeah. dog can take a piss if he wants. I don't. Come I don't on. know. It, it's the it's the most bizarre thing. It, it seems it's like so the sort weird. of thing that you could adjudicate pretty easily. Like the university kind of establishes some sort of policy like no dogs here you can't have dogs here um at least no dogs during these particular hours kind of the same way they do at central park um but the notion of the dogs themselves constituting white supremacy it's just yeah i i just um, the whole fucking thing is so absurd and exhausting okay so i have one more thing i have a recommendation for 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 listeners that's good because that one just broke my spirit that broke your spirit yeah so i went back i sent you guys this and i don't I bet you guys didn't listen to it because you're lazy and you probably have better things to do. Like play with your kids or something. Uh, I'm just sitting around crying and listening to like old radio broadcasts that make me angry. (laughs) So I've came across an old, um, from January, I guess the day or two days after, uh, the Jesse Smollett affair. I think it was on the takeaway. Tanzina Vega, uh, Armin Tanzarian. What what is it? Um, Sounds about right. Tanzina. It's the takeaway on NPR. Mm -hmm. And there are three guests and they're talking about um, uh, the legacy of lynching and how the rope around his neck made them all freeze. And there's three people, two people in the panel and the host. And I cannot say anything about it, but I really recommend people listen to it because it is the craziest thing. It is so everyone's just talking about how their feelings are hurt all the time. And it's just the weirdest thing. It's the did most. You, did you listen while stoned? Uh, no, I don't smoke weed anymore. I haven't smoked weed in a long time. Mm. I'm not Eli. Come on. I don't. <laughs> you can cut that out. It's fine. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I had done some bath salts. But yeah. I was literally eating somebody's face. <laughs> My favorite myth. Bad he wasn't. Salt. He wasn't on bad salt. No, it was actually only THC. I, mean, I know. I know. It's like it's not a yeah. real thing. Yeah. Um. But uh. But listen to it because it is the most 2019 document that I've come across. Yeah. This audio document. Yeah, yeah. And there's not even one thing I can point to. It's just that the totality of it is so amazing to me. No, I did. I did check out some of it when it you, is, when you circulated and, it. And I think I even texted you again and said, just yeah. get to the end because <laughs> the end is so bananas. And I'm like, this is national public radio. And I couldn't imagine if there was a show on national public radio who had three people on a panel talking about like the hoax of, of, of Jesse, Jesse Smollett in a way about social justice warriors and PC and all the stupid ways that people talk about this stuff in just, you know, heavy breathing. They would like have their funding cut. I'd imagine this is just de rigorous stuff on, on WNYC, but I, I, I recommend people check it out. Cause it's so crazy. It's can so I, can I make a quick cultural recommendation? Please. Along those yeah. Lines. I like the cultural recommendation. Um, and then I, I I loved the discussion on, on this podcast a few episodes back about leaving Neverland, which was mm. chilling and uh, horrifying in a lot of ways. But uh, before Fake we had news. this reassessment <laughs> of Michael Jackson in our culture, Spike Lee did two very good documentaries about Michael Jackson did that it? were worshipful. And yeah. the, um, the second one he did, which was about the making of the album Bad, there are yeah. these moments in it where people are just sort of bewildered. Like it's really weird because this most beautiful model in the video was told 
do not kiss Michael Jackson. Yeah. And I was like, that's weird. You know, I just told him you should go fuck her. And it was yeah. like, I'm like, uh, yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's some missing information. I think yeah, here. Like, right. There's another yeah. perspective spike. You might want to have gotten for it. But <laughs> I have to say. And uh, later in that, the reveal it, was he, the model was replaced by Corey Haim. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this, especially the off the wall video. It, it, I know we're having a moment now where we, there are some people saying you got to cancel Michael Jackson. But it does really make you appreciate his artistry, particularly on that great album, Off the Wall, and everything that kind of went into it. Um, I'm Did not you see they're taking his name off or, or, or trying to. There's a vote amongst to take the, him off the Walk of Fame. No, uh, oh. there's a school. There's like an auditorium at a school named named after him or something. You have to separate like, the art from the artist. Yeah, uh, that I've actually seen an article that yeah. said that that is the tool of white supremacy too, because only white only white people can actually. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I look it up; it's actually real. But it, it, there's a, there's an auditorium. I think it's in California. It's like the Jackson Polanski Auditorium or something. <laughs> and uh, they're having Amazing. a debate, and then the the parents are are supposed to vote on it. And I saw an article they were interviewing some of the parents, and they were like, I don't know. It's well, like, you know, I don't want to cancel the guy, but I I do feel a little weird about like an auditorium in a school like for kids but that's where the hottest kids are (laughs) (laughs) it's hard to listen to PYT it was really hard it was hard in real time yeah Yeah. no PYT was a jam no it's a jam it's a jam but it was never a problem for me because that's on thriller side to a thriller what's PYT and Dirty Diana both were like there's something that did what's Dirty Diana but that's about a lady though yeah she's a she's a she's like an adult woman yeah, it's still, it's got she's it's like, got screaming no, Stevie like, Stevens on guitar in that Billy it, Idol. It just part. was. It felt wrong. It felt like an affectation. That it just yeah. Yeah, oh, PYT yeah. is on Thriller, so that should I mean, again we talked about this. That should totally be safe. What? In terms of the time, just because it sold a lot. Yeah. So basically, what you're saying is everything up is to bad that, is okay. Yeah, yeah. is like <laughs> that's where the, the question date, marks. The come date in. where you start molesting kids yeah. is where your art, like, so be- yeah. pre- anything Marilyn Manson recorded before the murders, totally fine. Oh, Marilyn Manson murdered somebody. Not Marilyn Manson. Uh, Charles Charles Manson. Manson. Yeah, yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah, Marilyn Manson yeah. is the guy who's missing the ribs. Yeah, right? yeah. maybe supposedly. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's really yeah. That's how it works. That's how it works. So any of the work, even if it's not explicitly about molesting kids, if it's just a song about... I'm just saying there are question marks. Yeah, yeah, And me, generally, I'm going to give it a pass. Yeah, okay. Because if the song is not about molesting kids, I don't have a problem with the song. You pretty much don't get any R. Kelly, though. Yeah, that yeah. I think that no, I, I'm saying you, you don't, don't get, even get R. Kelly. Again, this is all question marks. This is all <laughs> you question don't get marks. Any R. Kelly? I'm not. Dis- I'm not canceling R. Kelly. I'm not yeah. muting R. Kelly. Thoinga Thoinga is still like a great song. It's ridiculous. It's yeah. a great song. Yeah, but you the do. To- you do admit he's probably a pretty bad it. guy, right? Who R. Kelly? Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched the. the Dude, uh, you have to watch the. I don't want a terrible guy. I don't want to wrestle with Are any of kidding? those things. It's like you have to watch a documentary. There's like the existence of him, like. Can I say it on this podcast? There's kids that listen to this podcast. What, like 11-year-olds. Urinating on it. Like a, again, I haven't, seen that. I haven't seen this video. I don't know oh, anything so you don't, about you it. You don't know. Yeah, I don't. Man, I haven't fi- looked at fi- steal. What I, what I do know <laughs> is the about the Aaliyah marriage. Yeah. It's like, so that's, that's a big crazy, deal. too. Yeah. I, you guys mentioned it before, and I know I'm, I'm revisiting it, but if we're going to go down this road, uh-huh. I'm sorry, Led Zeppelin. 
Of course. Can't have it. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Go down Jimmy, this road. Jimmy Page is, yeah. is canceled. Yeah. They should really no release stones for you. I swear, you know, Bill Wyman's gone. Yeah. I swear to God, they should release when when he dies, they should re-release all the Led Zeppelin records with just bass and drums and just take him out of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, motherfuckers, you want to cancel people? Here's what the records are. Right. You should replace like, it with one of those yeah. hobbit flutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, it's gonna be Davis. some guy going, No Pablo Picasso. You can yeah. it's like it's no, I know. It's, it's madness if you it's, keep going. It's an exhausting exercise, and I, I'm never. It, it never ceases to amaze me that there's people that have the energy and the fortitude to actually go back and start can like that are just people who are like professional cancelers. What's what's her face, Kate? Uh, the, the the seventh inning stretch lady got canceled this week, right? Oh, Kate Smith. Kate yeah, Smith. yeah, yeah. The Phil- and this is your hometown too, yeah. Philadelphia. Oh. I, 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 here's Philadelphians the, should not cancel anything. Yeah, based on the I mean, way that fans behave. So wait, I mean, what, yeah. what song was it? She got in trouble for singing. Uh, that's how darkies were born. That's uh, why darkies were born. Which, by the way, I don't know if anyone. Yeah, I mean that. That there's a Michael, reference. I just want to go on the record. That sounds a little racist. It, it, yeah, well, that's pretty well, racist to be true. Um, <laughs> I think it was it written. It wasn't written by uh, somebody who's black. That was the Virginia song. Um, it used to be the state song that Ray Charles sang too. Was was canceled, um, and it was written by two two black writers. Uh, no, uh, it is supposedly supposed to be in its kind of ham fisted 1920s way a not a, a celebration of um the slaves uh kind of i don't know i'm not going to defend it i've never but she sang it she didn't write it right and there's a reference to it in duck soup um the marx brothers movie because i remember hearing it when i was young i've seen duck soup a million times and in these and there's a somebody says something and graduate takes the camera he's like and that's why darkies were born and i was like man that sounds really bad i don't know what that's all about, but it's a song right and so um it was that song and i think one other one of which w- uh, was more famously uh performed by paul robeson mm-hmm. a famous black singer and Stalinist. So yeah, it's um, a communist song. Yeah. So yeah. Gonna... Yeah. So, so I don't know. So, so she sang these two songs and I think, um, that she, she had a hit with the, with, uh, that's why darkies were born, which I became kind of a staple song for her in the, in the, in the early thirties. But, but is, but is the song in fact racist? Cause I'm reading the lyrics to this song now, which I've, I've never heard before yeah, yeah, and I've never yeah, heard of before. And yeah. Paul Roberson, as you mentioned, did you gotta say yeah, pa- Paul Roberson did it. Someone, yeah, yeah. someone had to laugh <laughs> at the, the trouble yeah. though. He was tired and worn. It, it does seem like a song that despite the, the grading title yeah, yeah. that is sympathetic to the plight of I the think, American Negro. I think that was the argument then and now. I think that that's, yeah. that's, and you know, that's, I think why Paul Robeson, you know, who's somebody who had a sense of what we would now call racial justice uh-huh. that, well, you know, yeah. Paul, you know, Paul Robinson, who was a black man, who was a black man and, 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 and a very sort of deep kind of baritone singer yeah, yeah. who also wrote one of the most insane eulogies for Joseph Stalin. I'm not kidding. Look at it up. 1953. Yeah. But he was somebody, not, not that, a good decision, not right. a good decision. Yeah. I mean, he was very pro Soviet. He was very pro East Germany, et cetera, because he thought that communists and the communist party was the only, I, this is a huge myth. 
was uh, uh, the party that actually took racial justice seriously. Mm-hmm. And somebody who was that in tune to it at the time was people say, oh, Paul Robeson is a black person said, OK, but you're missing the point because Paul Robeson wasn't just some black singer. He was a guy that was very early on in a kind of W.B. Du Bois way, but in the, the entertainment world, who was who was very serious about these issues. And I mean, it just gives you a sense how that kind of language was not the most important thing at the right. time. This know? is John uh, Fisher. Um, when we, we talked about this via text, yeah. sent that, that clip around of John Lennon performing woman is the N word of the world. This yeah. is the way the title is on YouTube. It's is it nigger. Really? Yeah. 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 He, 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 and he says it, it multiple times. Yeah. No, it's um, a very, Yoko, it's a very Yoko famous Uno, song. Yoko yeah. Ono is there beating that, that drum. Yeah. One <laughs> yeah. single combo. Yeah. God, yeah. Not a lot of talent. No, there. come on. I, one of my favorite uh, songs is Yoko Ono's yeah. song. Yeah. Walking on well, thin ice. Not a lot of talent. So, which there by the way, that performance. which by the way, when John Lennon was shot in December of nineteen eighty, was carrying an acetate of the Walking on Thin Ice um record. Is that right? Uh, with him when when he was shot by uh Mark David Chapman. Wow. Which uh then subsequently came it's very hard to get now. You can find it on YouTube, mm-hmm. but it's not on Spotify. There's like remixes of it. Mm. But it's a di- it's like a disco song and huh. John Lennon plays uh, guitar and bass on it, and it's really, really it's, good. Uh, elect- it's okay, really, really good. Electronica disco. It's so but I, good. But I in mentioned the same way that McCarthy McCartney yeah. was also experimenting at the yeah. time, which is really great. Yeah. But I mentioned the song in the same in the same way because the song is not denigrating black people, and it's not no, saying it's that in his niggers are are no, it's in his. He, 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 he says woman is saying slave of that the women slaves. women are being treated in a terrible way, and that's, we should do something about it. Which he, is the he, point he's of saying, the song. He's saying that yeah, that it's so bad yeah. that it deserves its own version of that word right. that is, you know, the worst, that's how they're treated, right. which, you know, was in his, uh, what was it? Uh, sometime in New York, yeah, sometime in New York City. which is, which is a very, very, very political, very sort of pro like Panthers. Very. I mean, that was at the time, it's mostly I mean, it's, a garbage record. It's a garbage record. Some good, like, uh, like, uh, disco yeah. songs on there. Though. It's kind of, yeah. But I mean, this is like, again, this is the context of all this stuff is that, you know, but but I think more offensive than any of this is like not taking this song off or changing it or whether they actually you saw this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was I was flipping the channels and I saw uh, another Philadelphian. Michael Smirconish uh, was doing a segment on it uh, with Charles Blow, um, who made no sense. But they showed the statue of her. In front of yeah. Eli, where is it? The, where the Flyers play or where the... The Spectrum. The Spectrum. Or what used to be called the Spectrum. I think the Wells Fargo. Yeah, Spectrum. whatever. Some corporation yeah. center. Covered there in is, black tarp. It was covered with a tarp. Yeah. Which I... There's I mean, two, it's racist that they used the black tarp. They, sh- they should have used a rain, like a rainbow tarp. Yeah. You know, <laughs> be inclusive, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but but the, the thing that I found deeply offensive about that was not the first thing is like jumping the gun so fast no public debate about this no reason appeals to reason yeah. was this woman um did she sing a song that in a time this was one of the most popular songs in america you know she's singing this song um did she have a a, a record of saying things being a certain way then i suppose that, that you think yeah. about it in a different way yeah but i thought the actual covering of it was so offensive and so stalinist in its way is that what is the presumption that some kid can walk by it, some eight-year-old, and be like, I wonder if that woman sang a racist song in 1932, and I bet she's right. I mean, what is the idea? Yeah. Like yeah. this, this it is, it is, it is actually a Stalin, the Stalinist instinct of the, you see in that that terrific 
uh, book, The Commissar Vanishes, which shows the iterations of Soviet photos after people were executed for counter-revolutionary activities. And, mm-hmm. and then ultimately there's just one of like Stalin at the beach, <laughs> like yeah. all, uh, you know, Malenkov is, you know, no longer playing volleyball in the back. You know, they get rid of all this stuff. And it's like putting a tarp over a statue of a human being who it's not itself a racist piece of work. Mm-hmm. I get if, you know, like, Ooh, we should take that down. If it is, you know, some like obviously racist piece of art, which there's a lot of in this, in, in the past. Right. Mm-hmm. But this is just a statue of a woman. Right. And, and people, this, this statue did not provoke racism because no one knew no one realized it mm-hmm. and so the second somebody pointed it out is like covered up that's a really bad instinct yeah it's a really really sinister instinct well you know one of the things that I, I really appreciate about what we've done here today um apart from just hang out and drink which we'll go do a little yeah, bit more of yeah is the the conversation about the Mueller stuff being somewhat removed from the moment yeah. when this story broke. I mean, it's not unlike taking a half a second yeah. to contemplate some right. assertion yeah. of fact, some nasty charge that's hurled at someone. And it's not as though we're desperate to adjudicate the matter in real time. And unless we figure it out in the next yeah. 45 minutes, yeah. all is fucking lost. Yeah. Like we can take our time to sort through this bullshit. And in just a few moments, the fact that this Kate Smith controversy is a total contrivance, mm. like becomes rather apparent. But if it's all just knee jerk reactionary nonsense where you must rush to the to the ramparts to defend like any absurd, hysterical race controversy and make certain that you're on the right side of it, defending the, the, the helpless Negroes, it's fucked up. It is. It's, a, it's a really bad look. And I'll it's just, also it was, arbitrary, right? Because. Yeah. Like, we know about Led Zeppelin. We know about (laughs) the Rolling Stones. Leave Robert Plant alone. (laughs) I'm just saying that it's like, I don't want to cancel anyone, but I'm just saying that those, they haven't been canceled yet. When they die, they will. What? When they die, they will. Or, okay. That's what always happens. Or they'll be a post at the cut. The, 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 and yeah, be like, what, what oh, I was just listening to Brown Sugar, and guess what? It's yeah. a terrible song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, it is kind of a terrible kind of song. Song. Yeah, it's yeah. an awesome song. Uh, yeah, it's a terrible song. Uh, Have but you no, looked it, at the lyrics? Yeah, yeah. yeah they're a bit okay. Crazy. I'm just saying, yeah. it's, it's about a slaver. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. it is about a slaver. Let's just yeah. Let's okay. just say, we'll put it this way. A couple yeah. things. Fifth Column has a new tagline. Um, we can massage this. We can we can make it sharper over over drinks and dinner after this. Oh, um, but it, it it's something to the effect of we bring you the news two weeks late because <laughs> that's uh, Camille's uh, thing. I think that's a good cold takes. Is it co- they're cold, stone fucking cold, stone takes. cold. These are like Icelandic takes. <laughs> this is Greenland. The Greenland of takes. This is not you know all the, the glaciers will have melted. We'll still be Get here. Get some soy sauce <laughs> and honey and let it marinate. So, yeah, exactly. Let it, yeah. yeah, this is the Chad of. Takes. <laughs> but on the on the uh, on the uh, cancel stuff is the headline you're gonna use the same fucking headline every time because when I say they always die it's always like you know hey we know that this person's great but did you know it's mm. always that formulation mm. hey hey stop celebrating this person who recorded the best fucking records you've ever heard in your life yeah and remember that one time when he shot heroin into his earlobes <laughs> and he was 18 <laughs> he had sex with somebody who was 16 it's like yeah i i, 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 I i'm gonna listen i'm gonna think about that when i listen to starman every time <laughs> no i'm not yeah we can still be heroes yeah Oh, fuck everybody. All right. Well, All right. Let, this let's good. get out of here. Right. Good. All right. Bye. Bye. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse.